Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. God, what week is this? 68. That's a lot. I feel comfortable. You know, I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> That's a lot of weeks. Um, yeah, you guys, oh. you know the deal, everybody. We're gonna we're gonna go over these five series, 68th entry, and see which one of them was least terrible. That's right. And we have a running total and all that. So what was worse last week? What are we starting with? Hey, hey worse last week was Enterprise. They had a couple of bad weeks. Yeah, they haven't so been crushing it. Let's find out if they turned it around this week with Hatchery. Something, something, insect babies. Hey, Rick, the, uh, the people don't like the theme song. <laughs> oh, they don't? No, no, they don't. Too depressing, um, right? Must be too depressing. What I was thinking was, maybe we should put some strings in there? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, what do you kind of kind of strings? You're talking about like a cello, right? Like a slow, I know sad. it's not the guy trying to sound like Rod Stewart, because people love that. Everybody loves but, that. But yeah, no, no, make the whole thing real upbeat. Make sure it sounds like there should be a tambourine playing, even if there's not. So not a cello, that you're not talking about the cello. No, 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 violence for sure. Oh, okay. All right, well, uh, and like some real upbeat guitar and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, just make sure you put an upbeat acoustic guitar. That's okay. what everyone wants. Cool, all right, well, I'm in. Enterprise discovers a crashed Zindi ship of unknown design, and Archer takes a team down to investigate. Uh, they're still on their way to that place, right? To yeah, they're the still weapon. going to Azadi Prime. Right. They stopped here for some reason. Okay. And then they did find a ship. There are um, there's some dead insectoids in a corridor, and uh, they find a big intact shuttle bay. And uh, Trip and Reed, looking around, find a fancy pressurized room behind a big heavy door, and there's bioscience coming from that room. Mm. So everyone reconvenes. And uh, what they've got there is a nursery, and it's got 30 eggs. Okay. They're, you know, they're science fiction-y. They glow a little bit, and they spit acids. Bro, but what's in the eggs? It's little baby insectoid zindies. Oh, okay. Baby insectoids. Okay. In- insectoids, yeah. Um. Archer does get sprayed by a goo. Yeah, he does. Because he goes to touch. Everyone has taken their helmets off. Yeah, well, they one of, they detected that in an atmosphere, and then they just went, yeah, let's just go for it. So we should probably, I mean, we put all this stuff on, but we should probably take our helmets off and carry them around, right? It's important. It's important. 
since hey, since there is some air here, I don't want to waste suit air. You know, what if we need to use our buckets? I mean, our helmets as a bucket. Never mind. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Archer goes back up to uh, to sick bay, and uh, Reed and Hayes tow a, a Zindi assault ship up. I guess the shuttles there are like fighters or something. Okay. So they're going to start working on that. And they also bring up two dead insectoids uh, so that flocks can cut them all up. Okay, yeah. So, the, yeah, they're going to learn how those assault ships work or whatever. And T-Paul got into all their logs and shit. So it's actually it's kind of a banner day. Well, then... It, like, but, especially if this episode had come way earlier in this arc, it, they would have learned a lot. Or if they just ended it right there. That's the end, right? That's, that was just a good day? That would have been just a great day. Yeah, just a great old day. Yeah. Um, anyway, in the logs, they discover that the crew transferred life support to the hatchery and killed themselves, sacrificed themselves for their babies. Mm. But anyway, this thing is losing power and the eggs maybe only have another day in there. So, um, Archer decides he wants to repair it. Hmm. He's going to be the good guy and the hero and whatever. And everyone thinks this is a bad and dumb idea because as you said, they got places to be. Yeah, that's theoretically on the way to this weapon. Yeah, he, he says that he wants the bad guys who are trying to murder all of them to know that they're good guys. He he right. wants to save the babies in case they run into trouble. He can be like, but look, I saved these 30 babies. Yeah, I guess he's planning to leave a note or something. Yeah. Like, we got you on this one. <laughs> you, and then you, get us, you get us next love time. Love Earth, something like that. <laughs> right. Um, Everyone thinks that's a terrible idea, but whatever, they're going to do it. Uh, so Trip and Mayweather try to learn to fly the Zindi shuttle, and then uh, they all get together in uh, in the mess hall and argue about what a bad decision Archer's making. Yeah. Except for, uh, nah, that happens later. Doesn't matter. Anyway, do they go to uh, do they go to the mutiny room? Do they go to someone's? Do they go to? Was there an assigned mutiny room, or is it? just uh, we're the not mess there hall? yet. Okay, we're not there yet. This is just discon- This is just malcontent. In the mess hall, Be- right out in the open. Because I feel like the TNG crew would have already been talking about it. Oh, yeah. They're, this would have been triangular cut sandwiches uh, in Riker's <laughs> quarters already, for sure. Actually, Riker doesn't usually serve food at the mutiny meetings, does He's he? He's not a good host. No. He just shouts at Data for a while, and then they all leave. Well, we're not there yet. Okay. This crew, you know, there's no procedure for this yet. There's <laughs> not a Starfleet procedure for mutinying way too fast? Right. That's good. Right, right, right. Um, Flox has learned a couple of things about the insectoids that are vaguely interesting. And he also estimates that the eggs are going to hatch like in the next week. But the deal here is that Archer's becoming just more and more protective of the eggs and he's getting paranoid and he wants to transfer Enterprise's precious antimatter to the ship Mm -hmm. in order to, in order to keep them all alive. And this is where they have the classic TNG style mutiny party. Yeah. Where uh, T-Paul even goes so far as to override his order to transfer the antimatter until she talks to him about it. Mm -hmm. So he he confines her to her quarters. He's not having it. Yeah. Uh, But but unlike uh, in TNG when um, Picard has clearly been taken over or whatever, he still has reasonable things to say, which keeps him in control for a little while longer. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's, in fact, when Trip goes to talk to him about it, Archer tells him a big, long story about his great-grandfather during the eugenics wars mm-hmm. and how he 
he and the enemy work together to not shoot up a school bus or whatever. Uh-huh. It's hard work. It and takes a lot of coordination. It's like, it's just, it's just enough. It's just enough to keep things running. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Trip and Hayes work out a, a way to disable insectoid ships or a weakness in insectoid ships. Uh, Trip and Reed, rather. Yeah. Jesus, Reed and Hayes. There I got go. it right the third time. <laughs> well, you've you've been very very sick this week. I have, I have, I have, I have. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, Trip uses the pretext of a, a neuropressure session to visit T. Paul and talk things through. Yeah. And she wants him to convince Archer to submit to a medical exam because she thinks his behavior is uh, abnormal. And everyone has conveniently forgot when he got sprayed in the face by that ache. It would have been nice if someone mentioned it once. Mm-hmm. This is but just you like were right. however many weeks ago it was when, uh, uh, what was it, the data brought up that they, everyone should have fucking known about. Um, when Picard, the the readings from Picard's quarters before oh, yeah, yeah, he got yeah. replaced. When the weird obelisk scanned him in his quarters. For 35 minutes, no one said anything. And then Data's like, hey, remember that weird energy reading? And it's like, yeah, guys, remember? It, it is true. He gets sprayed. Flock says, that's nothing and rubs Vaseline on it. Mm-hmm. The next time we see Archer, his skin isn't even red. Yep. It like it looks totally normal, and everybody forgot about it right away. They are all too used to this space shit. Yep. Um. Anyway, uh, so T. Paul wants Trip to convince Archer to submit to a medical exam. Meanwhile, a Zindi ship pops out of hyperspace or whatever mm. and starts fighting, and uh, Reed destroys it. From Reed's probably with that information in he on learned. the bridge. He blows that thing up before Archer gets to the bridge. Right. Uh, anyway, Archer's pissed, so he sends him right to jail. Yeah. He goes, what he wanted was, that why didn't you talk to the Zindi? We could have turned the hatchery over to them. Uh, so he relieves Reed, and also he replaces him with Hayes, yeah. which must really frost Reed's ass, but we don't do a check-in on it's that. It's Reed's arch nemesis. It, right. At this point, it's just mutiny party. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to check in on how he feels about that, but it must have hurt. Yeah. It must have hurt. Um, he then gives Hoshi the order to translate a distress call into the insectoid language and just fucking pop that thing off as soon as she's done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he calls Hayes in and gives him a great everyone's against me speech mm-hmm. and then heads down to the shuttle bay to head to the surface and uh, Trip and Flocks confront him, and they ask him to go to sick bay, and he drives him off with some Makos. But Flocks was scanning him covertly the whole time, but they get no evidence. So this whole scene is just filler. Right. They got nothing. Uh, down on the planet, the eggs have started pulsating. Oh, good. And uh, up in space, Reed and Trip start retaking the ship, uh, which they do very easily. Yeah, the, the Makos don't do a good job. I don't even know how many Makos there are and how many crew there are. I'm sure they've told us before, but they don't. Yeah, they don't have a lot of trouble. They get to the bridge pretty quick. Uh, so Trip beams beams down to get Archer, and you know he's down there. He got little little insectoid guys crawling all over him, just being a weirdo. <laughs> uh, and when they bring him back up. Well, yeah, Trip stuns him. And when they bring him back up, Flock says, yeah, uh, turns out they sprayed you with a bonding hormone, yeah. basically. And uh, that's why all of this happened. And then uh, Trip and Archer have a little chat. And it, 
the little hatchlings will probably survive long enough to be rescued, and it's off to Asadi Prime. God, I fucking hope so. How many fucking episodes have we been on the way? Uh, if the next episode was not called Azadi Prime, I would not be so confident <clears throat> that that's probably what's where we're going to get to next week. All right, good. I'm glad that we're going to get there. So I'm glad we're definitely going to get there, and this is all definitely going to get resolved. Oh yeah, it's all going to pay off too. All right, good. Yeah, it's going to be very satisfying. Don't forget, it'll pay off. It's Enterprise, and Enterprise always satisfies. So, mm. what was this episode about? Uh, this is obviously weird shit in space. That leads to a big <laughs> mutiny commando raid. They love their commando raids. Um, look, the only thing I can see here is like um, loyalty and and personal history can only take you so far. Like they try to understand what the captain's ordering them to do, but eventually, like what what can they do? He he pushes pushes them too far, and they have no choice but to stop him. Eh, that's not really worth much. That's a three. What am I supposed to do with that? So Ben, uh, Ben is right along your lines. He asks, how far should loyalty go? I think this is a test of the ship's company to see their level of blind obedience versus individual thinking, but there's not much of another side to this argument. Right. Um, I maybe gave him a little credit this week. Okay. I'm interested in this. So I think that the point of this episode, well, I mean, we're talking about the same thing, but I have restated it here. A rigid chain of command cannot adapt to the unknown. Okay. So, of course, it's nonsense when Captain Picard says Starfleet is not a military organization. <laughs> yep. But this is sort of what he means, right? Starfleet can't behave like the military because military hierarchies only work... Boy, I was sick. <laughs> only work in opposition to known opponents. Yeah. So, like, you can't run... Even, even, oh man. Okay, forget it. What I'm saying is you can't, you got to run it a little different because there's too much unknown and you can't just uh, have one person giving orders and everyone else following. Did you start writing about Tiny Tim? I started writing about Orthodox versus Unorthodox like I was Moss Roberts. And uh, (laughs) one time uh, Marjan was writing a term paper or something and she fell asleep. While she was writing it, and when she woke up, she checked the last few sentences, and they were about Tiny Tim, and she didn't know what was <laughs> happening. <laughs> um, so what was that worth again? I gave it seven points. Whoa! You yeah. were sick. All right. Well, it's all valid. Um, what about Eximacutions? Uh, I did not give it seven points. Okay. This episode, and I may have alluded to this, this should have been ten episodes earlier. Yeah. Not another detour in the two-week trip to Azadi Prime. Like, we fucking... We did a six months later at The Expanse. Yeah. And now we've been going to Azadi Prime for, oh, like a long time now. I don't even remember. I mean, we've had some filler here. And it's if it is supposed to be two weeks, what's happening? Yeah. It's like everybody knows we're on the clock, but we don't, like, we don't need the stakes for this episode to work if this would work just as well earlier on when we're not almost at the weapon mm-hmm. so instead it just sucks a little more energy out yeah i agree i i was very surprised that we still weren't going there this week yeah uh, and a couple of more production notes the, the the computer graphics in this episode are definitely of their era right but if you look at those little baby insectoids in this one and then you look at the big telepath guys in Scorpion. 
<laughs> it really shows you how much computer graphics improved in the five years between those two episodes. The extremely, extremely Babylon 5 graphics from Scorpion that they were saying were so much better than Babylon 5. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then I saw those little guys running around and I said, eh, that's not too bad. Until the one the doctor was holding. Yeah, that one was pretty that bad. That very bad toy. Uh, and then there was something that I found unsatisfying about Archer constantly shuttling back and forth between the ship and the surface in this episode. Like, it's, it's kind of a pacing thing where it's he has to be in both places for this episode to work. Yeah. And so he's just constantly going back and forth. And, and it kind of it breaks it up in an odd way. I agree. I, do, I wasn't really ever sure if I was missing anything. If the plot had moved in a way that I didn't understand. Because I was like, right. wait, he's down there again? What's going on? Yeah, exactly. Or like, wait, he's still... Wait, so they've been talking about this antimatter for a long time. Yeah. When you're, he still hasn't taken it down? When your writers are bad and your characters are bad, then you really have to make sure you're not losing anybody. you got to keep the pacing in a way that makes sense. So, so I mean, yeah, this, this disrupts the pacing of the arc. The episode itself has a couple of little weird things. I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, ben gave it a six. He says it's more subtle. It's a more subtle and long build up to a mutiny point than I think we've ever seen. That's what we were talking about earlier. No British drinking songs or anything. Um, <laughs> he likes that some of the crew, especially the Makos, were staying loyal to the captain till the end, which seems a lot more nuanced than TNG. Well, we never see what anyone besides the f- six main people <laughs> ever do in TNG. So it is. It is very true. And sometimes you get the feeling that like Wesley's just looking to see what everyone else is going to do. I mean, literally in that episode, he looks right at like Riker and Worf and everyone when they when they start to confront him on the bridge in the end. Wesley's just looking around like, what do I do? Um, yeah, for all we know in TNG, none of the rest of the crew even know what's happening. So <laughs> it is probably true that, uh, someone working in the Arboretum thinks that they are on a ship where there has never been a mutiny. That's right. Exactly. So they, if they never read about like, that, they'd be like, first of all, Wait, what? there's never been a mutiny in Starfleet. Hold on second, a second of all, on the Enterprise? There's been four mutinies this month? What is happening? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean when Picard was replaced by an alien? Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? I didn't about? hear about that. I am an officer on this ship. We have Picard only officers. definitely not replaced by an alien. We have exactly one NCO. I am not one of them. I have a right to know this stuff. Um. Oh, yeah. The only way you know is if you were at Science 2. That's it. Yep. If you... <laughs> and Science 2 is risky because people die up there. Yeah. Stay away from the panels if the ship starts to shake. I'll walk right... Again, walk straight to the center of the room and don't look just back. Just stand right in the middle. Yep. Get equidistant Maybe from all Maybe put your hands panels. in front of your face yes. and just stand there because they're, you know, glass could shatter or something. Right? Yes. It's possible something will shake you in a way that you have to turn around clockwise or counterclockwise slowly, but that's worth the risk. Stay away from the panels. I'd love to be watching uh, next week. Uh, there's no f- combat next week, but in a couple of weeks and see some shit start to pop off and have one of the guys at the back yell, duck and cover <laughs> and like get under Worf's beam. Yeah, exactly. It seems like this most secure place up there. Messing around under, underfoot. Um, and then he started to write a sentence and he didn't finish it. So anyway, it was a six for him. Um, <laughs> yep. for me, I was a little bit lower than you guys. Um, so for the take, it was kind of the opposite of an inspirational episode about, somebody whose loyalty saves the day in some fashion right it it was not an uplifting watch but also it wasn't about anything in particular um for plot reasons it takes way way too long for anybody to make that connection between the spraying and his weird ass behavior um god they need to get to that weapon fast because this season has lost all momentum at times this expanse season has been okay 
like there have been parts of it that have been decent, but it's been a while since it felt that way. Yeah. Um, I, this crew has a real blind spot and that blind spot is they just uh, take whatever flock says as gospel. It's true. So when this old boy says, I was just a mild neurotoxin, let me, I'll just, I wipe Vaseline on it. Everything's fine. And they're like, that's ah, fine. Yeah. Cause we do often see him later in an episode, correct himself. Yep. Go back and go, actually, now that I look closer. Hey, this shit's all new for him, too. All this guy knows about is having four wives. That's right. If you've got a question about that, you can probably take his answer at face value. But otherwise, <laughs> maybe hey, keep He put asking. a leech on someone the other day. You guys think he might just be an alien and not a doctor at all? <laughs> yeah, like, did anyone at Earth ask when he showed up? Were they like, hey. Do we like? Do we know if he went to a good medical school on Denobula? Denobula State. Hmm. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Um, Denobula State Springfield. Oh, oh boy! No. Oh, it's a satellite campus. It's, this is oh, going wrong. No. Not even the flagship. Uh, at least everybody but uh, Major Whitebread showed some sense in this one. Only Major Whitebread and some of his lackeys were able to hang on, despite Archer's craziness. It's honestly the only time that these idiots have even been useful to this show, aside from to give Reed someone to have a dumb. <sighs> homosexually laced fist fight with was that just last week when they were all acting so it was last it was exactly just last week and don't worry they had to put a little bit of it in this week with him running simulations and Mm -hmm. he's like well this definitely is in my purview and so you're definitely still gunning for my job anyway i don't know why this conversation is important because i'm going (laughs) to let it go and then you're going to take my job and it seems like that would have been enough motivation for us to still have beef it's very dumb Uh, it was only a three for me i couldn't i uh i couldn't find more there uh, flipping around to world building, uh, the hatchery on board the insectoid ship designed to take a beating and it has an assault vehicle too. Uh, even the eggs can squirt you good with that special juice that makes you their new mom. <laughs> Insectoids are asexual and live to be about 12 years old. Antimatter is used for torpedoes, not just engines. Um... Archer's great-grandfather fought in North Africa during the eugenics wars. We didn't need these to be acknowledged at all. No, we could have left the whole fucking eugenics wars out. But don't worry, we're not gonna. (laughs) So that blows. Um, I know they gotta find a way to work Brent Spiner into this goddamn show. Yeah. Uh, Starfleet Order 104 Section C, under which they can relieve Archer of command. Uh, This major went to West Point, so that's still a place that exists. Standard three. I'm looking to see if Ben's got anything else in there. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he thinks that it's, it, some of the sacrifice stuff is interesting and different from how you would expect insects to behave. Because they don't have any problems with cannibalism, etc., he says. Yeah. <clears throat> got it. Uh, yeah, we've got the eugenics wars. And he gave it a four. Insectoid. He gave it a four, yeah. Insectoid biology. Um, these bonding hormones that work on humans, I find that mm-hmm. a pretty dumb one-line explanation. In Enterprise, you're never sure if it's going to be very stupid because only the same two people aren't affected, as always, or if it's going to be very dumb because somebody's affected who shouldn't be, or... Right. It's always dumb, though, every time. <laughs> Uh, and then I thought it was interesting to see them actually running simulations, a thing that I think we only see in booby trap. Hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, when else do you see a simulation in Star Trek? You're talking about when they're trying to figure out if they can escape from the... Yeah, if they can get out of those... Yeah. Uh, and then Picard has to take the helm. Yeah, that's right. For reasons. We've already done that one. I know. But have we done um, the one with the silver blood? Have we done that yet? <laughs> Not yet. Okay, Not yet. I'll just keep checking. Still coming. I'll keep checking. I can't. It feels like we've done it, so I'm just going to keep asking. Uh, I gave it the standard three. I could see a two just because that uh, hormone stuff made me mad. Yeah, for me, I could see a two because the because uh, they were acknowledging the stupid eugenics force. But oh yeah, I didn't like that either. I also went three. But at least his dad wasn't fighting uh, Khan. Or his granddad, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he didn't say so. I don't remember yeah, which I, continents Khan had control of by the end. It said he controlled like a fourth of the Earth's. Yeah, I guess he probably he might have been. And those guys were all working together. But no one said Khan. That's true. It is, yes, it is a positive. Showed a lot of restraint. Characterization. All right. Always the strength of Enterprise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so Archer's influenced. So again, that makes it tough to award points. Yeah. But this week, he's influenced on an emotional level, and he still has to justify all of his decisions. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting exercise compared to the usual reasons the crew mutinies. Someone's been replaced, etc. Someone has just been replaced, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is Archer trying. He just has feelings. And he is essentially trying to justify his all of his decisions. Yes, so. his higher functions all seem to be intact because he's able to bullshit his way through a lot. Yeah. Uh, T-Ball comes off as real angry when she gets confined. Like when she's telling Trip about how paranoid Archer is, mm-hmm. she sounds really paranoid herself. And I don't know if that's character or an acting mistake. Yeah. She's been getting more emotional in general, and I also don't know if it's, like, a note for the actor or if they're just like, I don't know, she's just been with these humans for so fucking long. She's been on the ship for a long time. She's doing she sex with one. D addiction or whatever. <laughs> sure. That, sounds, that doing, sounds right. She's doing sex with one. Uh, something has happened, and by this point in the show, and I don't know really when it started happening, Trip seems pretty comfortable being third in command and stepping out of the big command decisions. Good. I, I never well, made. He it. wasn't. He wasn't good. He at wasn't it. good. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't do well with his. Uh, with his at bats. Our only notes whenever he was in command was he learned it ex- exactly from Archer. He learned it exactly the way Archer would have done it and the way he told him to do it. That's how he does it. Uh, I thought Hayes was okay in this one. I don't think I've given character notes on Hayes much, but like he's still in it. That's yeah, true. Uh, it made sense that he's sort of the rigid hierarchical guy who backs Archer, and also at the end he's at least not a petulant baby about everything. Yeah. So that was, he was really the positive note. I gave it a four overall for characterization. That's what Ben gave it too. He said they're continuing the Mako Major Reed rivalry for some reason. Um, well, I guess the reason would be having one fist fight doesn't solve the actual underlying issues. Yes. Um, he mentions a lot of stuff about Archer. I don't really know. He's he's impaired, so I don't know how much we can do with it. But um, let's see. T Pole puts on a uniform again, just for the mutiny part. Yeah, for some reason she felt the need to wear a Starfleet uniform. She like steals one, I guess. Yeah, but because it's some ensign uniform, some engineering ensign's uniform. But um, seems weird. Why? Yeah, I don't understand what that was for. What's the point of that? Um. 
I actually went one better. I gave it a five. Um, Reed's father collects insects. Uh, that still doesn't count as something we know about Reed. Um, it's true. <laughs> can't can't add that to the very short list. He's still sparring with Major uh, Hayes, I guess, but at least they aren't sniveling babies this time. He even apologizes to the dude later in the episode and doesn't gloat too much in that last scene. When they're, when he's like, you could have told me, you could have let me know what was going on. And he's like, couldn't take the chance. You might have turned on us or whatever. Yep. Um, Trip, etc. I'll think Archer's crazy because he is. Even nice boy Mayweather's against helping these baby insectoids. Uh, Major Whitebread follows even the baddiest orders. Um, <laughs> so it was a five for me. Again, mainly on the strength of the Major and Reed not getting into it terribly. I mean, look, could have happened. Yep. Do you have some quick hitters? Uh, Trip delivers a, you better get over here, sir, to Archer when they find the hatchery. So pretty early on. Yep. Um, that sad toy the doctor's holding when they beam up the bug baby. <laughs> Don't you just scrap that scene when you see that's the prop? Yep. They just have the doctor explaining that it didn't survive. Like, he doesn't need to be holding it. It was the saddest little toy I've ever seen. Uh, what'd you make today at work, honey? Uh, you know, pretty standard stuff. I, um, made a little, uh, dead baby bug for the doctor to hold. I didn't make it so good, though, but it looks like they're gonna hold it anyway. I told him not, I don't want credit for it. It wasn't my best work. Uh, that's it for quick hitters for me. Uh, Ben continues to hate the Mako camouflage. Uh, yeah. I don't blame him. Um, so I know all of this is new for these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, humanity. Why Why does anyone crack their helmet in that scenario? What's the upside? <clears throat> well, the upside for the makers of the show was that maybe we could do a horror episode. Maybe something flies into his eyeball or something, and then he's turned into a monster. It's kind of a monster movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's not smart. Uh, yep, for the crew to retake the ship, the Makos have to be bad at their jobs. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That won't have any... I won't be thinking about that the next time the Makos are badass. And the next time they're like, your crew still needs some work. They're not very good at whatever. We, they need more martial arts training. They didn't, for instance, think to lock down the transporter. Nope. Oh, don't know why. Nope. Uh, yeah, it was I, mad easy to get into the armory and take all that shit. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was pretty bad. When, when Trip beamed down to get Archer, yeah, I expected them to go like Heart of Darkness. <laughs> yep. Right. <clears throat> I mean, he was being pretty weird. At least he was being weird. Uh, or I expected him to be like he's eating worms and he's telling people to relish in their body, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So him just saying, hey, no weapons in here, and having those three little dudes run around on his shoulder, that I, that was not so bad. I was somewhat relieved yeah. that they had made such a reserved decision. He could have been worse. He could, uh, they could have had Trip pretending to be just like him, and he could have gone, I'm glad glad to see you, brother. Uh, our moment has arrived, brother. they got to say brother a lot when somebody's pretending to be... Uh, possessed <laughs> they do they do say brother a lot that's one when the universal translator really fails yeah, that's right <clears throat> uh i gave best actor to nobody all right i like it and worst actor to unhinged to paul okay and next 
Next in the order this week, we watched Voyager. Oh. Scorpion Part 2. Yeah! I'm not going to get to play that when Best of Both Worlds actually comes on. <laughs> it's this right. one's pretty borgy, so. That makes sense. And you kept in that great uh, whale, that Weedle whale. Listen, the that whole album is great, and that's a good song, and there's a lot to choose from. But of course I was going to pick that version. I'll just do it one more time. <laughs> That's the one that really places it in 1984. Yeah. To me. You say that's a good album. It is a good album. It is also a very weird album. It's deeply weird. It's so very, very weird. weird. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's do uh, Picking up where we left off last week. A Borg cube races away from Species 8472 with Voyager and Tractor Lock. I wish they had come up with a short name for these. Every time me I had too. to write Species 8472... But then if I wrote Undyne, which is their name in Star Trek Online, I felt even worse. Yep. Um, Janeway phones home from the cube to tell Chakotay that everything's cool. She's reached an agreement with the Collective. She'll stay on the cube and help coordinate the weapon they're designing together, and Voyager will be escorted through Borg space. She asks Tuvork to join her on the cube. Credits! The Doctor uses the uh, hypospray version of the weapon, which are, again, some augmented nanoprobes. Uh, on Harry Kim, and he's like pff, instantly cured. Yeah, um, they work real good. The Borgs get real handsy with Tuvok and Janeway in an attempt to put like a neural link up in their brains. And Janeway threatens to call off the whole deal and asks for a uh, representative Borg to work with, who they can just you know shoot to shoot the breeze with. Uh, enter tits seven. Enter seven of nine. Uh, Kess's freakouts are getting worse, and she keeps seeing the monsters, the the CGI monsters. Doc and Chaco think they're trying to read her mind and uh, figure out what their plan is. Uh, they do nothing about that information, by the way. Nope. Oh no, Singularity's open all over, and the Borg and Voyager come under attack. Uh, the cube takes a hit for Voyager and rams the 8472 ship. Just before it explodes, it beams Janeway, Tuvork, and a few Borg over to the Voyager, over to Voyager, so the work can continue. Uh, Janeway is crazy injured. The doctor says she may never wake up <laughs> after, after she may never wake up after he puts her under because she's still awake when he says it. Um, she gives a little talk to Chaco and tells him to keep working with the Borg no matter what. Chaco goes to the cargo bay, and Seven of Nine tells him to change course and meet up with the closest Borg cube to finish this mission. Uh, Chaco holds a briefing and says he's going to quit on the mission and drop the Borg off somewhere with the nanoprobes. So he is yeah. instantly given up on uh, on the plan. I, I'm i not going to go back and rewatch it. Did he even agree to try to make the alliance? No, work, he just looked at her. Or did he just listen to <laughs> He looked at her. He didn't do anything. Uh, Chaco goes to the cargo bay and, um, oh no, I already said that part. Um, the Borg do uh, a Borg thing and they take over the deflector dish and shit. And, um, they appear to be trying to open a portal. Uh, Chaco does exactly what he previously threatened and blows the Borg out into space. But one Borg survives. 
seven, of course. She was in a tube. She was in a little tube crawly space. Yeah. yeah. She did the thing where she just stuck her legs against the wall and then she couldn't get out. Um, Must have been air in there, too, because she sure talks to them. Yep. Uh, anyway, she, since she survived, she keeps doing the thing and the ship gets pulled into this weird little portal and they end up in a new kind of space, all filled with fluid, which I guess doesn't affect anything on Voyager. They just fly right through it. Um, nope. <laughs> pretty much normal. <laughs> This is the home of the 8472s. Uh, Chaco ascertains that the Borg have been here before. It turns out the Borg came here for conquest reasons. They wanted to assimilate these fucks, but did a whoopsie and let them into the Delta Quadrant by accident. Maybe even intentionally? Like, it is a thing that Chakotay accuses Seven of Nine of, and then they don't go into it at all. But, like, I don't know if he thought they'd be easier to assimilate in the Delta Quadrant or whatever, but I, he makes it seem like they knowingly let them in. Hmm. Well, anyway, Janeway is revived by the Doctor, so I guess he was pretty pessimistic earlier. Um, yeah, she seems totally fine, by the way. She and Chaco spar a bit. They come up with a crazy plan to trick the Borg into thinking that she and Chaco are on the outs or something. This won't have any payoff. In two hours, the alien ships will reach them, so they have to get their weapon ready by then. Uh, some cheesy stuff where the aliens talk through Kess and then pew 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 water fight. Uh, Voyager's new weapons are entirely effective, and they destroy four of the alien ships. And then they go back to regular space, where they use the high-yield version and destroy 13 more ships. And all the aliens everywhere bolt back to their own weird water space. Yeah. Uh, immediately, Seven turns on them and tries to assimilate the vessel. Uh, Janeway calls Chaco and gives the dumb code word. <laughs> and Chaco goes into his weird Borg link, which I guess they set up, with Seven to convince her to stop. Uh, then they hit her with the hot facts. Which yeah, is a- even him convincing her to stop was a pure distraction, I see. Yep. I think it was just... Hey, just keep her on the line. They, they hit her with the hot facts, which is a power surge, and she is severed from the collective. Uh, they continue away from Borg space, and after three days, they're out of it, seemingly, and Janeway and Chaco chat on the holodeck about how they now have to take care of Seven, since they are the ones who janked her. So I guess now we got a new crew member. Yep. What was this obvious part two of a plot episode about? Uh, you know, Ben says, be careful who you trust. Uh, he says, not much of a take. And clearly this is just to introduce Jerry Ryan. And he gives it a two. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely, there is the, the reason this episode is called Scorpion is that there is a real pessimistic anti-Star Trek undertone of. Uh, they ain't going to change. Don't, don't trust them foreigners. Mm-hmm. If you trust you can't them, trust them foreigners. They gonna they gonna stab you, and even though it don't make sense because it's their nature, right? Yeah. Right, and I guess it's also Chakotay's nature. By the way, yeah, this is the same shit that got him into the Maquis in the first place. I guess, yeah. Um, however, I think that this episode is the message of this episode is that individuality is a strength and not a weakness. Hmm. So this is sort of in the background of every single Borg episode. Yes. But they talk about it a lot in this one. I agree. Seven predicts that individuality is going to be their downfall, but then she is also vulnerable to this idea because she's fooled by Janeway and Chakotay's very dumb plan. That didn't make any sense at all, which we will get into. 
when we'll, we could talk about that. But I think that the definitely the intention was to show that. So, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that take. As always, it is un-nuanced if you don't include any strategies for mitigating conflict. Yeah. Which this one kind of really does not. But that's not a problem with the take. I gave it six. Okay. I was pretty close. I gave it a five. And I had a free-thinking society will win every time over a dictatorship, even despite the internal conflict it, it necessarily creates. That's what I got out of it. Um, just all the stuff about how you guys aren't... You don't have one voice leading you, so you're conflicted, and that's going to be your downfall, like you said. And they're like, oh, even if we disagree... We'll still win because we got, I don't know, diverse ideas or something. I don't really know. Um, it's not, this is an action episode. It's not necessarily no. well execute as a, executed as a premise, but I, yeah, again, I don't know why I'm even discussing it. We clearly had the same thought. Yep. As to what was going uh, on I'm not going to come down on the side of a weird dictatorial groupthink or whatever, so I guess I agree, but it's not a super hot take. Uh, it's sort of exactly what you'd expect Star Trek to say in the 1960s, even. So, yeah, it was a five for me. And uh, execution-wise? Ben gave it a three. He says, oh, great, Ensign Kim is not dead. Um, I don't think he's very happy about it. Uh, He's happy they finally used the hugely relevant plot point that Chaco was a Borg for a while to trick Seven of Nine, but it's kind of of dumb feeling. Apparently um, appealing to Seven of Nine's human nature. I guess is what they were going for. Again, I think it was a distraction. No, it's just, it seems like it was just a pure distraction. At first I thought he was going to try to convince her, but then they just jank her. So, um, I also had it as a three. The nature of conflict between, uh, sorry, the nature of the conflict between Janeway and Chaco doesn't land because one, Janeway is crazy and her plan is repugnant. (laughs) It is true. She is like a full tilt, um, appeaser yeah in this one everything that she hears in this episode doesn't change her mind like Chaco comes to her after she wakes up and he's like you know they tried to invade these fuckers right like they're the aggressors in this stupid war that uh that's causing them so much trouble and she's like yeah but you know too bad we gotta kill those fucking monsters um but that puts the former Maquis in the position of being the responsible Starfleet officer again yeah. And two, he doesn't even try to do the thing that she asked for on her <laughs> maybe deathbed. Nope. He immediately sandbags the whole alliance. And still, we don't get any background as to why he's so anti-Borg other than the very good points he made last week about selling out the galaxy in order to get 100 people home or whatever. Right. No, it's very true. But it feels personal. And... Like, he seems super angry at the Borg. And his super fast betrayal of the alliance really like later when seven starts to try to take over the ship mm-hmm. you're supposed to be like this fucking borg i knew it mm-hmm. but then like hey chakotay broke the alliance instantly like instantly yep. uh 25 minutes ago yeah <laughs> uh it's, yeah she was probably gonna do this they were probably gonna pull this shit anyway yeah but th- no one's no one's got clean hands here And then this Chaco plan in the end is dumb on a million levels. What difference does it make where Chaco is if he's just going to use the weird neural link to jank her? They, like, tell a big lie about how he went to the brig. 
Yeah, but it's like he could be anywhere. It doesn't make any difference. You don't even have to have any kind of feud with him for this to trick her. He could just be somewhere else. As long as she it doesn't know been, he's doing the neural link thing. It would have been great if Janeway showed up on the bridge and she was like, I've relieved Commander Chakotay. And 709 was like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, like, so? Okay, I'm working with you again now. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, so he doesn't have to pretend to be in the brig, so that's weird. And they don't need a code word. Nope. And if they're just trying to distract her until they can hit her with a power surge, like, why even bother? Just hit her with the power surge. Yeah, like, they needed to keep her on the line in, in the continuum? She wasn't gonna come out of the con- out of the board continuum? Yeah, it's very weird. They tried very hard to make the stakes seem huge in this two-parter, but d- they didn't devote nearly enough time. Like, in order to make this plot work, it would have to be like an Expanse-level plot, where it went on for a long time. They're in and out of Borg space. They're done. They, they're past Borg space. Yeah, apparently Borg space takes 10 days to cross. Yeah, and they're talking about how they could never get around it. What, it's just long and skinny? It's Tennessee? Yes. But it's a but it's a tall Tennessee that you can't yes, go over. Yes, it's a tall Tennessee because, you know, it's not but, too deep. Listen, I know you can't ever talk about going over because as soon as you yes. do that, it makes Star Trek seem real weird. It's a long, tall Tennessee. That's maybe It's a great song. Um, yeah, so there were so many things in this that were very dumb. And again, no matter what you try to do, you introduced everything and concluded everything in two parts. How high could the stakes really be? Yeah, just just the three for me. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, unfortunately, in the end, Voyager wins by simply having a plan B. Mm-hmm. And... I guess the coincidence that Chakotay sort of knows his way around the hive mind doesn't seem like it matters. No. And that waters the takedown a little bit. Yeah. You notice that's not really, having a plan B is not really an individuality issue. Janeway could have legitimately put Chakotay in the bridge and had a plan B, had a backup plan, all her own. Yeah. Nothing changes. Um, Kess's visions, I don't <sighs> think do anything. They're nothing. They're, they're, only... they're a whole lot of nothing. They're only to demonize the CGI monsters. Yeah. But, like, then when we conclude that the Borg are just as bad anyway, then what difference does it make? Yeah, I mean, they could have just had Species 8472 call on the phone. Yeah. Like, really, nothing would be different. The Janeway-Chakotay conflict is, at best, interesting, but it's not well-motivated. No. And... Uh, so I will say this, the idea of introducing another Locutus character, like if you have to get another individualized Borg into the show, yep. I thought they did a good job of how they got to there. Yeah. Like having Janeway ask for one to work with the decision that she had to be an assimilated human and the fact that no one is interested in that at all, yeah. despite the fact that it's wild news, yeah. it should be big news. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's pretty bad. Um, I didn't hate this episode as much as I have been worried about. Okay. But you definitely talked me down a point, so I'm going to give it a four. <laughs> I, didn't, four I didn't mean execution. to, but I'm glad you didn't hate it. Yeah, but I didn't. I was listening to the things you said, and I didn't think, well, that that doesn't. Yeah. He's not making sense here. It, it wasn't me were making sense. That's the problem. Uh, What about the world building? Uh, Ben's a three. Voyager has 32 torpedoes. Now, let's count from here. Full compliment. Let's try to remember they had 32 in this episode. I haven't been paying attention till now. And they fired nine? Five? 
Yeah, because they had to use four on... Four plus whatever the high-yield device was. Yeah. Did they fire some more when they came back to the Delta Quadrant? Just the high-yield. Just the high-yield? The high-yield was for the ships waiting for them when they got back. Uh, he, he asks if that's a full compliment and says it seems small. It does seem small, but... I don't know. I don't know what to say. 32 torpedoes would be a lot of torpedoes on a submarine. Yeah, but... Also, they've been in this... How are they getting more torpedoes because they've definitely fired some since that's a good question in the last let's three ask about years. shuttles because shuttles seem more difficult yeah. to make than torpedoes do to me yep uh voyager can just go through a singularity like that eh yeah it turns out they can uh yeah when the borgs do the thing on their th- on their th- things he theorizes they must have ran out of budget and that's why we don't see john reese davis in this one <laughs> it could be just just the workshop set <laughs> maybe she decided that wasn't the interesting part of the program she just likes looking at all the stuff maybe he just said no <laughs> like maybe they didn't do a good contract and they're like hey you ready to come back and do part two and he was like no thanks i'd like to think even better maybe the holodeck I just got the, i just got the role of gimli i'm fucking out peace maybe the holodeck character said no oh yeah could be. maybe the holodeck character went uh, I thought you were gonna stay away for a little longer. You you talk so much. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get a sandwich. I'm gonna get some kind of sandwich that Italians eat. An we Italian sub. Things. Were paninis invented in Leonardo da Vinci times? <laughs> yeah, well, Who knows? He invented the press. I'm sure. You don't know. Um, uh, we have. Um, I wrote down 200 isoton photon torpedo yield. Okay. Now I just have to know what an isoton is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fluidic space. Uh-huh. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. I've been there in Star Trek Online. Oh, that's nice. Um, Your ship drifts around. It's not nice. Maybe the next time they go there, they'll recruit uh, Sequest, the Sequest ship. Oh, hell yeah. Because they will be helpful. Get that dolphin. Yeah. Undine uh, Biotechnology, Species 8472 Biotechnology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, there have been human assimilations prior to Q's intervention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says that so, she was assimilated eight, 18 years ago? Something like I that. I think I got 18 people killed for nothing. <laughs> yep. Really cheapens their memory, what Voyager did here. Well, no one remembers them anyway, so... That is a good point. Uh, I'm willing to give it as much as a four, and it's mostly for the... Because I know we're going to have to get a bunch of backstory out of seven and nine going forward. Yeah, probably. Um, well, it's never good. It starts with a question. Why is a single Borg drone more efficient to work with than talking to the disembodied voice? It's not. I wish Jamie had just said, we find you creepy. <laughs> That's Honestly, right. you're creepy and it's distracting. Can we fix if that? It could be less creepy. It would really help this cooperation. Um, those are 32 class six torpedoes. I don't know what that means. Um, why do the Borg need Voyager's sensor logs? They ain't got scanners? They've never scanned one of these vessels? Oh, this is their war. You'd think they'd have lots uh, of data. It's very confusing. Did the Borgs beam all that shit over to their cargo bay, or did they assimilate Cargo Bay 2 within seconds? I assume they must have beamed that shit over. Because by the time someone gets Voyager down didn't there... they have all them green LEDs and shit <laughs> in there. That's what I'm saying. By the time someone walks down there, it's all set up. So... Um, the Borg think they'll lose the war before Voyager gets out of Borg space, which makes sense based on how poorly they've performed against this new enemy until you see how quick it is for them to get out of Borg space. Yeah, that's true. And you go, wait, man, they really were about to lose. You guys could just run from them for 10 days, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, stop sending the cubes in, really. 
Uh, the Borg rift that they opened with the deflector dish. Uh, the story of how the Borg came to meet these fucking aliens and what their space is like. Voyager shows signs of being significantly altered by Borg tech late in the episode. I don't know if that means anything. <clears throat> uh, we'll see, huh? It was a three for me. They've backed themselves into a corner where they're going to have to do some continuity. God, yeah, they... Because they've introduced a new character and she's still totally a Borg. Yeah, I didn't give any points yet. I do not expect that we'll see her in the cat suit next week. I feel like that would be too much, too fast. Um, From my memory, it's like the last scene. By like, okay. the, by like the last scene of either next week or the week after, she's like in the in the cat suit. And that's a big I, reveal. And she's like standing in a pose like she's standing for a photo, just like the Star Trek Six photo that never got taken. I 100% believe that. <laughs> yep. I think it's true. Sorry, it's impossible to think about that and <laughs> end of Star Trek Six where they pose for a photo that no one takes it's such a, without laughing. It's such a good movie, and that ending is so preposterous. The way fucking fat old Scotty kicks down the door and shoots that Klingon out of the fucking window and then just walks down there casually with his fucking sidearm still drawn and poses for a photo, and you just go, what's happening? I mean, we know that the truth, right, is that it's only a good movie for a Star Trek movie. Oh, sure, yes. And mostly works because they they brought in the same guy who did Star Trek 2, and that guy can just make a competent... Submarine movie or whatever. Submarine movie. Yeah. Yes, uh, that's true. But, man, that last scene is so baffling. Um, well, I mean, if you think about all the stuff on Rura Pente, you'll realize it's not actually a good movie. Yeah, okay, that's true. That's yes, that whole section with uh, Imam. Yeah, the stuff in the submarine is great. Yeah, and I like all the all the Spock stuff when he's when they they're trying to solve the mystery. That's all. I like all that stuff too. Yeah. Um. But posing for that photo is amazing. Uh, where were we? By the way, was that who was? You just gave it a three, okay. and I started laughing, and so now it's time to talk about characterization. All right, well, uh, Ben gave it a five. He said, the writers don't know what to do with Janeway anymore. Yeah, no shit. She's out of... It kind of does feel like they've given up on her. She's She's been out of commission a couple times recently. Chaco feels he has to remind everyone that he's in charge now. Yeah. It would have been nice if by this point they'd either figured out what to do with Chakotay or just cut bait on him entirely. And promoted the doctor to be the new first <laughs> officer, Torres or something. Sure, because because they they really do feel like they don't have anything interesting to say about her, and but they gotta keep her. Yeah, because Chakotay's sitting behind her. Uh, let's see. They have seven of nine talking a lot, like more than any other Borg ever, and with more facility than anyone ever. I guess. It is true that you, when you, you give great orator Captain Picard some Borg implants, he does become pretty stilted. He's a weird old zombie. Yeah. Incorrect strategy number one. Um, Sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, 709 is already way better than that. He's kind of a Frankenstein's monster, so. Uh, Chaco gets bossed around by everybody, ordered to report here and there. Uh, the conflict between Janeway and Chaco seems very made up, and confining Chaco to the brig was for sure fake. Yep. Um, Seven of Nine is named Annika. Chaco's... I, I can't count her yet. This is only her first episode. Chaco says he disobeyed Janeway's orders, but really he was sticking to the original plan. I don't actually see how that was really disobeying technically or even in spirit. Wait, what was... What plan? I don't think the original plan was to 
abandon the alliance halfway through Borg space. That was I, a plan that they made up on the fly. It seems like a very bad plan. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he gave it a five. Um. I give it a four. Uh, Chakotay in charge is a tough one always because he, um, in this case, it's bad because he absolutely hates Janeway's plan. He goes along very briefly, but you can tell he's looking for any reason to see the Borg as a threat. Once in charge for real, he immediately abandons the plan and decides to kick the Borg off the damn ship. I mean, within a few minutes showtime. Yeah. Um, Tuvok looked troubled by Chaco's decision about the Borg plan in that briefing. We'll see if that goes anywhere. It didn't go anywhere. It did not, despite the fact that they are... Arch enemies. Mortal enemies. (laughs) Yeah, Tuvok gives a look like, "Uh uh-oh. But then we never talk to him again. (laughs) Uh, Tuvok's violated some orders of Janeway's himself, so... That's true. Um, Janeway wants to get along with Chaco, but not as much as she wants him to do whatever she says. I guess that's what captains are like. Just a four for me. I don't disagree. I also gave it a four. Okay. Uh, Janeway will help the Borg, but won't develop a WMD. (laughs) Right. And she's disappointed with Chakotay, but not in a way that means anything. Right. Chakotay immediately violates Janeway's orders when he gets command and no one else is in this one. That is correct. Yeah, actually, I'm taking it down to a three. (laughs) Really, this was a Chakotay episode. It's a Chakotay episode. Janeway's barely in it. But you were right when you were... I think reading Ben's notes on this, that Chakotay is just getting ordered all over the goddamn ship. Mm-hmm. He makes one wild decision, and otherwise he is just reacting. Yep. So, that's not even a good episode for him, frankly. I got a few quick hitters. Hit Go it. I want to hear some quick hitters. Hit it. In the beginning, why couldn't they have had Janeway stand in front of one of those little Borg alcoves instead of that awful green screen yes this is the same one from last week where i was like oh that's really terrible are they really I mean, bragging about their great cgi this green screen's it's a particularly nightmare particularly bad like so bad it's like uh it was like weatherman quality but not weatherman in 2019 no yeah 90s weatherman for sure 90s weatherman quality where like Janeway forgot and accidentally wore a green tie, and the tie is just showing parts of the map behind her. They for sure walked into some Burbank fucking local news studio and used their fucking their weather green screen. Um, at some point, Seven shows Janeway a plan for a mine mm. that she wants to build. Her big WMD. It's the Borg ship from Descent. <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, yeah, you didn't you know, know that was one, just a big space It's got mine? that one pod that hangs low on the side. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's what that mine was, apparently. Yeah. I guess that was just a fucking flying mine. You didn't know that, but that's, I think they say, we'll watch when Descent gets, when we go to Descent, we'll see. Captain, we're picking up biometric distortions 12,000 kilometers aft. N- now several, several million kilometers aft. Now it's like a couple of light years back there. Oh man, good thing we were going at warp nine. <laughs> that's right. Not a problem at all. Uh, the, there was some sad Janeway in a coma music that was totally unearned. Oh, hell yeah. Because A, she was talking to him right before she went into her medical coma, and B, later she's just fine, and also, we don't really care. And also, he didn't really care. The, and also, Chakotay was not invested in the scene at all. Yep. <clears throat> they have a discussion. I guess this is how they come up with their good, good Scorpion plan, mm-hmm. where... 
it's almost as if Chakotay can't imagine a solution to the hundreds of individual minds problem, like maybe a chain of command. Yeah. And um, Janeway looks shocked that Species 8472 want to talk through Kess. But why did she ask Kess to sit next to her on the bridge <laughs> instead of sick bay, where there's about to be casualties because uh-huh. it's a battle? If she didn't, if that wasn't the plan, yes. why's Kess there? Well, she read the script. That's she always. read the script. Yeah. Ah, ah, Janeway read the script. Yeah. Um. It's weird that they just made one high-yield device, huh? So it seems like they knew exactly how many of these weapons they'd need. That's right. They planned very well. It was also in the script, luckily. Uh-huh. Uh, Scorpion is a dumb code name. It's extremely dumb for her to just say, Commander Jagote. Scorpion. Scorpion. I'm sorry. I'm, I feel bad about doing the accent. I don't. Of doing the Janeway voice, but she does have a very distinctive voice. Also, if the character were likable on any level, I might feel bad about it. And uh, it's weird how they don't seem nervous at all that they've probably made two enemies. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I get it. Already kind of enemies with the Borg. Yeah. But. Uh, no, that's fine. The, the, all that matters is the however how, many people are on that ship, and they made it through, so. All of Fluidic Space is mad at them now, too. Oh, hell yeah. They went in there, and they are impure. I don't know if you heard that part, but they are impure. Oh, yeah. And they, they made their water I- impure as well. Yeah, it was almost like uh, at some point the guys were like, hey, these guys aren't coming off as evil. Yeah, It's not Can, enough that they have make to say something about racial purity. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, they purified that space. I assume there were other kinds of sentience in the water the water place. But yeah, they, they purified uh, Didn't they say that they came from a place where they were alone? Oh, and, I assumed they were in, now. In part one, and that's why they're so weirdly xenophobic. Um, well, then, that's pretty weird. Okay, well, yeah. Uh, best actor? This is another, uh, hope so. I gave it to no real standouts either way. Nice. Uh, worst actor? Uh, either way. Okay. I don't care. Okay. All right. I just, acting, the worst actor is Chakotay this week. Because <laughs> he was in it. Yeah. He's also kind of the best actor this week because he's the only one. Um, ben had some quick ones. He says, it's not clear who who the writers intended to be the symbolic scorpion here. It seems like the Borg betrayed the Alliance like expected and that the human individuality became a problem like we knew it had to be in this kind of episode. They really emphasized the boobs in that Borg outfit. <laughs> yes. Well, that's not believe, going away. <laughs> I believe from reading in the in the notes that the executives were distressed when they saw her <laughs> up, made up as a Borg because they were like, this is not the deal. This is not the deal at all. Wait, who? which executives? The UP the UPN executives. They didn't like, know who no, they hired to bring a, You're supposed to bring a sexy lady. Oh, in. I get it. And now she's got junk all over her face. She's wearing a black suit. Well, at least she had the big canes. Yeah, they at least did that much for them. Um, I got a couple. Oh, okay. All right, so I first of all, the the boobs are pretty prominent, but I think that's because they had to make that. They tried to make that fucking thing skin tight. Yeah. Uh, and also, just imagine how bad it would have been if they'd put Jolene Blaylock in one. Oh my God! The, the, the nips—they would have had to put like little bolts on them or something. Yeah, they would have done. <laughs> would have been the Batman and Robin <laughs> nipples on the bat suit, right? I don't remember. Did Locutus have nips on his suit? I have to think about it. <laughs> I didn't want to think about Hold that on, one. Let me huh? Bing it. Let me Bing Locutus's nips. Uh, well, you only have to wait until week 
I know it's coming up. We're all, I saw we were twenty episode twenty seventy four. Seventy four is the week. Low so six more. Locutus images. Da, da, da. Nah. I mean, if you if you Google Locutus nips, you're no. just gonna get DeviantArt. He one hundred percent has a six pack, but sorry, an eight pack. Why did he need an eight pack? Hey, why did the boar give give Locutus an eight pack? Did he have those? Uh... What the fuck's happening? <sighs> who was the guy? Who was the guy who did the music video? Who had the cum gutters? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I don't. I don't know. It's like the first time America knew that muscle existed. Oh, oh, um, fuck me, D'Angelo. D'Angelo. It's because it was not a person who ended up being important or culturally relevant, yes. aside from the. Again, the aforementioned yeah, cum gutters. I ain't heard I ain't heard that terminology before. I'm not old enough for it, honestly. <laughs> I'm still growing up. Why does Janeway need to work on the cube? What's, <laughs> yeah, what, there's no reason. What's she going to be doing over there? I for sure would be telecommuting if they were <laughs> like, I'd be like, hey, they don't even have chairs. Can That's we? Right. There's always this disembodied voice talking to us. It's aggravating. They don't got a bathroom. They just pointed at an alcove, and I don't know if I'm supposed to try to put my wrist on something or just piss in the corner. Yeah. Like, I thought the doctor had figured all this technology out. Like, what's Janeway doing over there? I really don't understand. Um, She's going to help weaponize it. You know, like the scientist and engineer that she is. Enough of the nasty horror visuals, please. I already didn't like looking at Harry Kim. But I don't like looking at him with all this shit like out of, coming out of his mouth. Oh yeah, it's overgrown. Weird. It looks like vines for yeah. some reason. That's the metaphor they're using there. It's fucking terrible. These monsters, uh, they look like uh, Naga from Monster Rancher. You're welcome. I'm think on that. Uh, Maybe I'll pray on it. <laughs> Seven doesn't count for characterization yet, but why is she so bitchy for moment one? Like, are Borgs real emotional? Did they give her a note that was, like, cold and unfeeling and she didn't understand it? Yeah, it's like the whole fucking collective is pissed off about having to be having to deal with any of this. Maybe. She just seems real confrontational. Worst actor? I don't know how you didn't get this one. Injured Janeway sounded just like Twin Peaks Janeway all over again. <laughs> Twisted. She was like... Don't give up on the alliance. And you're like, what is supposed to be wrong with her? Why can't she uh, talk? All of her neural pathways have been disrupted well, by the close, but she could talk and everything. She's Twin but... Peaks. She's Twin Peaks talking. Uh, and yeah, and Chaco finally remembered he was a Borg that one time. Okay, that's it. Listen, you declined to nominate Best and Worst Actors <laughs> in like week four. I get it. Yes, I know. I'm just saying. All right. I saw that and I went, oh, she's back. She's uh, Twin Peaks. Janeway is back. What's next? Next up uh, is The Next Generation. This week we watched Hollow Pursuits. Hell yeah. Ah! Hell yeah. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Lieutenant Reginald Barkley is on the holodeck pretending to beat up some of his co-workers and fuck others. 
You're not you're not going to let him have it even for the length of that sentence, huh? Nope, he gets called. But it might have been real. No, because come on. He gets called to go to work. Uh, Jordy and Riker are talking shit about what an average effort he makes and how he's always late. And Riker reprimands him with scary music in the background. Uh, also, don't forget he grabs him by the elbow. Oh, yeah. He's trying to like walk away and Riker's like, listen, you little fuck. How dare you be 10 minutes late? Do you know what this is? This is the Enterprise. Uh, I can't imagine. Like, I don't know if It they... is the fucking cardinal sin on Enterprise. <laughs> Later on, Worf will be late for shit. one shift, yep. and they're going to bust in like he got swatted but playing Call of Duty. They're going to straight up tell him that it's it's kind of not okay to have religion. Don't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's not okay on this ship. Um... Anyway, credits. Uh, Barclay's trying to fix the anti-grav unit, which keeps eating shit when it's transporting these uh, these samples. That they're there's a dumb B plot where they're transporting some medical samples for samples a, that a are plague of the week. Light light enough for a human to carry, mm-hmm. no problem. Uh. Anyway, meanwhile, Jordy and Riker go straight to Picard to get rid of Barclay, and Picard tells them very nicely to eat it. <laughs> to do their fucking job. Mm-hmm. So Jordy will just have to, I don't know, make an effort or whatever. He invites Barkley to the senior engineering briefing or whatever it is the next day. In that briefing, Wesley shits all over Barkley's ideas. And then Barkley goes to his hollow fuck, fake counselor Troy. And she consoles him with fucking. Um, he even turns on a new program where Troy is the goddess of empathy. Uh, yeah. For extra cool fucks. Jordy is intent forward telling Wesley why it was bad that he blew up Barkley's spot earlier when they notice one of their glasses is leaking. Their drinking glasses. Yep. Because it's the space future, they freak out entirely too much about it. Something is broken on the ship! Uh, they're briefing Picard about it, and Picard does a whoopsie and calls Barkley Broccoli. So now he's on the shit list, I'm sure. Jordy goes to Guinan for advice. Not only is Picard on Barclay's shit list now, but everybody else is on Picard's shit list for this. Because <laughs> yep, he didn't want to know he had a nickname, and now he's called him the nickname. <clears throat> yep. You, you, you idiots put this in my head, and now I called him it. And now I'm always going to be remembered as the guy who fucked now up on I'm the bridge. I'm the asshole around here. Yep. <clears throat> uh, Jordy goes to Guinan for advice, and also to pry into Barclay's private life if he can. Um, yeah. She also tells him to eat it. Uh, Jordy goes to find Barkley, and he's in the holodeck, of course. And Jordy walks in on a real embarrassing situation. A Three Musketeers parody, where he's sword fighting with Picard, Jordy, and Data lookalikes with bad British accents. It's ex- it's extremely embarrassing. It's very embarrassing that this is this guy's weird fantasy life. We know it's embarrassing because Barkley immediately offers to transfer off the yeah. ship. Yep. But Jordy's starting to be cool now and actually talks to him about I'd offer his... to transfer myself right into the plasma flow in the <laughs> cell. I know that's how it gets done on that ship. Uh, Jordy tries to talk to him about his shit. Um, now in the transporter room, O'Brien shows Jordy a new problem to add to the messed up anti-grav sled and that uh, messed up drinking glass. And the one glass that melted. Uh-huh. Transporting shit's a real problem now. Uh, everything gets all melty. And uh, they're going to need the transporter soon when they get to, again, Plague of the Week. It's not crucial what's happening in that plot. It's not crucial, but they also don't treat it like it is. No. Like, they definitely want this fixed, but they got all the other transporter rooms. Right. So it stays Take in the, this one please offline. fix this. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, Barkley goes to the actual counselor, Troy, and even she hates him. Uh, Barkley's... Well, they don't They don't have a good session. No. And frankly, it's mostly her fault. <laughs> She's not... Well, again, she doesn't do a lot of actual counseling. She's like, oh, okay, how does this go? Do I turn the lights down and sit super close to you? <laughs> I think normally what I do is tell Captain Picard what he's thinking. Is that what's going to work here? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit real close and make eye, con- and make eye contact and touch your yeah, shoulder? Touch what am him. I supposed to do? I think what's I'm, professional? I think professional courtesy says that I touch him a lot. Um, Barkley is late for another meeting and Riker's on the fucking warpath. He, Jordy, and Troy go to find Barkley, and sure enough, he's running that Three Musketeers program he likes so very much. Riker's especially offended when a tiny Riker Musketeer shows up. Yeah, that was a mistake. Meanwhile, the ship's speed starts jumping around a bit, and Jordy gets bitched out by Picard for being on the holodeck when it happens. Uh, they find Barkley sleeping on the holodeck and retrieve him, and when they get to engineering, the ship starts to accelerate out of control. You gotta be careful. You can go back in time. It's true. There's a lot of consequences. It's not just going too fast. That fucking dial starts spinning the wrong way. Um. Anyway, the ship's gonna fly itself apart or whatever. They have an emergency brainstorming session, and Barkley points out that the link must be the engineers themselves, since none of the affected systems interact with each other, which I find hard to believe. It's weird that the transporter and the replicator don't, huh? Yep. And that they didn't, like, beam anything into the cargo bay? Seems like there are a couple of systems. That <laughs> do that. I don't know. I don't yet know how you tie the antimatter interlocks or whatever in there, but uh, yeah, the other ones do seem like maybe there's a connection. They narrow it down and determine that it's uh, it's from the medical containment devices used by the Michalax. The Michalax are the guys they got these samples from. I was so happy when I heard that name. It's, it's a good, very good name. They say it like, early oh, in the episode. Good one. And I went, oh, that's a good one. The Michalax. I had to go and back. They're, they're not even in it. I went back to see how you it was. You never meet a Michalax? No. I had to see how it was spelled on the uh, closed caption because I was desperate to know. Um, anyway, they come up with a solution I only half paid attention to. Something about making the matter-antimatter injectors very cold. Extremely cold. That's the entire solution. Anyway, hella works and they don't blow up at all. And Barkley gets some dap. Um, yep. Barkley comes to the bridge to say goodbye, but don't worry, he's just saying goodbye to his hollow programs. It's just another fake out that doesn't land. What the hey, you know the question. What is this one? Uh fantasies may be compelling, but ultimately the real world is more gratifying, and I'm asking it in a question mm. because 90% of the show is just Barkley in trouble, and at the end he just says, bye, Holodeck, but I think that's the idea. Yeah. Maybe even something like people out in the real world aren't aren't as bad as you think. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Uh, it's not much. I, I gave it as many as four. I could see a three. Sure. Well, we did play that it was Ben's pick of the week. Um... He gave this a six on the take, and he said, individuality, even weirdness, should be tolerated because it is through those idiosyncrasies that sometimes novel thinking comes. I think there's for sure an an undercurrent of that, particularly if you work in Guinan's little speech to Jordy about her weird Uncle Turkham who used to buy her beers or whatever. Yeah, the only one she could stand because he... Was the, the all the other uncles tried to molest her or something? I don't remember. 
everyone else was like in that commercial about stay with the flock, stay with uh, the flock. I remember you, that. You know that sheep. Great it ad. Was sheep's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's I, the, but they didn't get anywhere near it. No, hopefully he touches because, that execution. Uh, Barkley's weirdness did not in any way help him to solve this problem. Nope. What helped him to solve this problem was that he is the Enterprise's only diagnostic engineer. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, what's his name, Captain? The guy they hired specifically <laughs> to do that job. Captain Whatever knew they needed one, so he totally tricked them and made them take this dud. That's what Riker says. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or maybe he was, and we could get into this, maybe he was performing on the... What was the name of the other ship? Mm-hmm. World building, world building, world building. I didn't write it down either. <laughs> Let's just say the Zhukov. It's probably the Zhukov. Sure, could be. Uh, you know, because he wasn't on the Enterprise. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, maybe he'll talk talk more about it in execution. But that was his. Uh, this episode was his pick of the week with 18 points total, by the way, which is a lot lower than Ben usually gives for his pick. Yeah, of that's week. not a high top scoring episode from Ben. Uh Here's what I got. I think you and I both have preliminary scores higher than that, don't we? We do. Yeah. Here's some management advice. Everyone's got shit wrong with them, but they can still be effective contributors. I guess there's probably some more everyday use version of that, but I couldn't find a good way to crystallize it. Something about how easy it is to write somebody off who's a bit different, but it's more rewarding to build a connection with them. This episode could be done by any show on TV, for sure. But it's not bad advice, and it's my favorite part of the episode. All the times the Jordy tries to get out of having to help the guy, oh, and well, everyone goes, it, "No, <laughs> go fucking figure <laughs> it out." We well, were at that moment. You are activating one of the show's actors. Yeah. So it's always going to be more gratifying, right? Yeah. Anytime you can give Jordy something to do other than freeze the <laughs> antimatter injectors, yeah, freeze them really good. Just freeze them up so cold. Make them cold. You gotta make them colder, though. That's how you win the... God, the Technobabble guy on this episode really fucked up. He he did not give us anything incomprehensible. He gave us something so comprehensible. He was already daydreaming about how he was going to become a writer and eventually write the episode Hatchery. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No! Andre Bormanis or whatever wrote Hatchery. Wait, that guy from uh, Angel? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, the guy from Angel, <laughs> David Boreanaz, was the <laughs> was the science uh, contributor. That's so weird. Maybe that's why he's science not good. Advisor. Maybe that's why the science doesn't work very good on this show. Um, like I had a shit job to do, and he must have hated it. Frankly, can you imagine being the science advisor on, on this a show, show that cares so little about science and hates and these scientists? guys are like, coming to you every week? Like, ah, uh, we need a reason this scientist is bad and wrong. Hey, um. You should know this. Are all scientists bad or just 99% of them? Hey, we all hate you. So, like, you could probably normal, assume right? you're just like all the scientists, right? You're one of those science guys. We fucking hate you. Uh, yeah, just a five for me on the take. Uh, swing me around into execution. I would be glad to. I'm going to swing you around like it's dirty dancing. You're, you're a baby, and I'm Swayze. I don't remember what his name is. Anyone know what Swayze's character's name was in Dirty Dancing? Please send us an email about it. Bigger Baby. Oh, big! Oh, if he's Big Baby, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> if the two characters are Baby and Big Baby. Is Baby that character's name? Yeah. 
When they say nobody puts baby in the corner, that's not oh, that's, metaphorical. I, mean, I don't know what her like actual legal name is, but, but everyone baby in the is movie how people refer to her, her baby. The, yeah, it's fucking gross. I don't feel bad that I've never seen it. You've never seen that terrible film? No. I thought you knew what it meant to love a woman. Oh, I. <laughs> you know what? I didn't think that. It's fine. Um, uh, I have never, ever, ever really loved a woman. Have you listened to Sting? <laughs> I think I know you have. Yeah, but only St. Agnes in the Burning Train. <laughs> Every day. Uh, there's no lyrics. Every single day. Um, all right. So, Ben, gave it a four on X. You know, I just listened to the part in Fortress Around Your Heart where, <laughs> in the background, Brandon Marsalis goes, Oh, you love the, the little fanfare. Of course. Yeah, because it's a fortress. And what does a fortress have? Just lots of fanfare. fanfare all over. That's right. Yep. Ben, gave it a four on execution. He says, right away, something is off. Drinking on duty, etc." What? Still to dialogue. Oh, because the be- in the beginning. Oh, right. In the fake hollow thing that I dismissed immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only have I seen the episode 50,000 times, but also he's right. Uh, Troy walked in in her sexy dress yes. and she didn't immediately walk up to a weird alien we've never <laughs> seen. So it was definitely fake. Yeah. Uh, anyway, still to dialogue. Uh, maybe they sh- she didn't walk right up to a creep so that all the writers could feel good about how they're nice guys and women don't like them. Yeah, women so, only like bad guys. Uh, it's not just fake. the ones fake, I fake, write. Fake. Maybe they shouldn't test the anti-grav while it's loaded with stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not a bad. Not a bad yeah, idea. Yeah, probably after it failed the first time, they should have taken those six jars off of it for sure. <laughs> It takes his weird-ass brain to figure out all the malfunctions are related, so even weirdos have value. I can't believe a room full of engineers is making fun of the Asperger's boy. Yeah, it's true. No one is nice. No. <laughs> um, no, these guys are real They're real fratty, frankly, yes. this whole episode. Especially Jordy's little engineer. I forget what that guy's name is. Oh, the is. little guy whose glass is broken. He's got, yeah, the guy who breaks his glass. He's got like four or five of these old boys at the staff uh, briefing. You know, at the stand-up. Yeah. Where they move all of their yeah. tickets he around. He suddenly the has an engineering staff. Uh, but only that guy gets invited to go drink with him and Wesley and Data. Yeah. Must have been his turn. That's right. He fights one a week. Um, Barkley erases all the programs except number nine. Loves him number nine, perhaps. Yeah, I assumed it was his horniest program. That's what he kept. Um, I gave it one point more than Ben. He gave it a four. I gave it a five on execution. If they're going for awkward, they nailed it. Like, for sure what the crew walks in on is a hundred times worse than if they walked in on a run-of-the-mill DS9 sex program. <laughs> like, you would definitely quit Starfleet and disappear from society. Uh, for sure. Um, I mean, for sure you would. I also think they did a good job of showing that people on Enterprise are crazy spoiled. Yeah. And that they actually do run into non-perfect people sometimes. So, like, they're just going to have to learn how to fucking deal with it. I told you that was my favorite part of the episode is when he goes to Picard and Picard says deal with it. And then he goes to Guinan and he's like, but he's such a problem. And Guinan goes, maybe you're the problem. And he goes, all right, fuck. <laughs> all right. Jesus. I'm not getting any traction here. <laughs> I guess I better go try to fucking work <laughs> with this guy. Um, One thing about TNG is that the leads are pretty likable in most cases. And I got real shitty vibes from Riker and Jordy in this one. I I, I want to say Riker particularly. Riker's a fucking ass in this one. Yeah. Um, and I guess personnel is kind of his bailiwick here. Yeah. But like... Because he can't handle anything else. Get it together, buddy. He can't this handle this either. Been, 
this guy's been hanging around when you like we didn't see him but he was probably up at the front fixing some panel or something when you were on the bridge being mad horny about Riza. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Everyone, now you're going to be like, on this ship, we, we set a higher standard? <laughs> Basically, Riker was saying sounded like, this is a house of learned doctors. <laughs> yeah. Um, The B-plot is a combination of plague emergency of the week and ship malfunction of the week. I mean, it's totally nothing, except that Barkley is at least an engineer who has to try to figure it out. But it's clear yeah. they didn't put a lot of thought into the B plot. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I don't think there's a, actually a B plot. Um, I had it as a five. I'm downgrading it to a four. Well, I also initially had it as a five. Let me read through this, and we'll see yep. where I land. Um, number one, I've worked my whole life with these Reginald Barclays. Yes, and one place they're not shy is at work. Yeah. This guy would be in his element, and he would be a blowhard. Oh, yeah, he would. So, writers who have never worked with uh, super weird engineers like this, you missed it a little bit. Yeah. Like a Voyager episode, this is an engineering problem with an engineering solution. Mm. And it is merely convenient that the weird dude ruining everyone's week is a diagnostic engineer who can save the day. Yes. There's no B-plot because Jordy makes the mysterious system failures Barkley's problem immediately. That's true. Like, we start at, hey, Reg, there's something wrong with the fucking anti-grav thing. Fix that. Also, don't so, be late anymore. It's not like the two ever come together. It's just all part of one plot. It's not a super fun watch. No. Yeah, it's only a four. Yeah, I thought it was for the reason I mentioned about how normally on TNG you're like, all right, I can hang with these dudes. This isn't so bad. They're not a bunch of archers, all like fucking sad babies. But again, Riker. Riker sucks. Jordy sucks for part of this episode. And then again, this guy's bullied by everybody. Uh, In terms of world building. Yeah. Ben gave it a four. Uh the actor who plays Barkley accidentally says flux capacitor. <laughs> From context, it's clear that he was supposed to say flow capacitor. Yep. It doesn't really matter. Neither of those concepts make sense. No, and no uh, one caught it anyway. It just made but it It was right a in. big whoopsie that put it in there and accidentally makes you think about Back to the Future. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> ben says it's all right to air everyone's shit in 10 forward. Yeah, I guess is. that's not news, really. Uh, hollow diction, Jordy uses it as though it is an existing term. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe there is an addiction, and that makes sense. And Jordy's the right person to talk about. Ben doesn't say that, but it makes sense to come from Jordy. Yeah. At one point, I mean, Jordy. It would even... make sense to come from Riker if Riker was more self aware. Yeah, he probably thinks he is. Because he he's the, the one who fucking busted into the bridge and shouted, She's gone. <laughs> I'll, I'll never love again! The women! <laughs> the fake ones! <laughs> the God. Um. So he's a four. I'm not a four. Uh, we're scraping at a three here. Mm. So diagnostic engineers uh-huh. are a specialty. And Enterprise needs at least one. It's true. Um, the concept of being on report, I don't think has really come up. But apparently it's uh, it does not just get filed and forgotten. Because they're in Picard's office that day. Dude, they again... They can't handle it. 
It must be like Riker was like, I thought it would be satisfying if I grabbed him by the uh, elbow and reminded them that I'm very tall. But nope, I still had to go straight to the game. But I don't feel satisfied. I had to so go straight to my talk to Picard. I had to go straight to my space dad to complain. Uh, we get some discussion of holodeck ethics, as in apparently there are not really formal rules about this, mm. but everyone agrees that what he has done is very creepy and bad. I mean, it is. It's very creepy and bad for sure. Yeah. Uh, routine internal scans. The ship is always scanning itself all the time. Well. I think we knew that because the ship put out that fire and up the long ladder. Oh, yeah. But that could also have just been racist-ass uh, Picard, who did not like the look of these guys going. <laughs> Scan those fires. Make sure you're constantly scanning for fire. Yeah. And um, Also, how some... else would they know if like a, a, a shimmering alien came to impregnate one of their crew members or something? Uh, good news, they did not. No, okay. They must not have been scanning good enough. That must have been one of the... He probably made one of those five elements that they don't scan for. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then uh, we see some outdated medical technology, so... Uh, it's just about a three. We don't really learn anything big in this one. Uh, yeah, the the Mikolax give them some samples to help with some plague outbreak somewhere. I don't know. TNG has too many notes. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Um, turns out they haven't nailed mental health in the future. Oh. Uh, hall addiction. Continuity with Leah Brahms. He mentions that he once fell in love on the holodeck. I assume that's yep. who he's talking about. God, I hope so. God. No, it was the fiddler when he was on that date with. Uh, <laughs> That's right. It was going to be Christy Henshaw, Christy but Henshaw. then he took a look at that fucking fiddler. He's like, "Well, hold on a second. I want to hang on. What's All going right, on? She's here? not into it, but you can't say no. Hold on. Do you want a Coco? No, no. You can't say no. <laughs> oh. Turn to dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Magnetic quench of the fusion preburners. Yeah. You know about that. I. Uh, uh, all of those words make sense individually. Salts, salts, and invidium. Yeah. The only thing I didn't have on there that you had that I liked was the uh, diagnostic engineer. So I will give it as much of, as a three. And um, uh, this is a character show. Oh, I know. So and TNG can be good at this. Did they do? Riker hates Barkley, but Jordy fucking despises him. Jordy wants to kill him. Jordy hates the idea of having to work to turn Barkley I mean, into a better I, officer. Jordy would definitely hit the jettison pod button. At oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, he and Riker are used to only getting the best officers, and they're mad spoiled. Uh, Jordy doesn't think engineers should have an imagination. Yeah. I guess he uh, he comes around a little bit later when nobody wants to hear any of his complaints. <laughs> um, it is true that at some point he starts does start to wonder am I wrong yeah maybe I'm wrong and that at least gives him some more some more characterization points than Riker Riker's a gossip oh yeah he also makes up some weird holodeck rules on the fly and tries to delete Barkley's program when he doesn't like it <laughs> and he openly ogles sex Troy uh-huh. you know, in front of her thinks it's funny I think he's a bad influence on Jordy too because then he looks over at Jordy and he goes, Do you see anything wrong here? Huh? Huh? <laughs> 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 and elbows him a would bit and he's like, Ah, you know what I'm talking about? Would have been great if Jordy said, uh, I don't see the same way you do. <laughs> all clothes look the same to me. That's true. Uh, yes, she's all full of light. Uh, it's, uh, it's a hologram. Yeah, she's lit uh, up. Who's it even supposed to be? That's, uh, I can see there's light in there. 
actually there's light everywhere. It's kind of hard for me to tell what you're looking at, but no, I got, I got it. I get it though. Listen, Boom, I don't right? get that much out of the holodeck. Is it, <laughs> does she look good? I don't, again, also don't see her normally. So I don't know. Is this better than normal or? <laughs> no, you're right though. I get it though. Boobs, right? It's boobs. I get it. I've heard people, I've heard people talk. They like the way she looks. Is this better? <laughs> Uh, the dress looks wrinkled. Is it because of the wrinkles? The wrinkles that what, look pretty hot, right? I can tell that. Is that what you guys tell. like? Is it wrinkles? Hey, but you know what I can't do? I can't read. Is there any? Are there <laughs> any words in here? Can you tell me what the words mean? Because I wouldn't be able to see them unless they were all lit up, <laughs> like the fucking like fucking fireworks. Um, I mean, you can use a book with radioactive ink, <laughs> but then you have to decontaminate the whole room. I can only read them in the decon chamber, and uh, I don't like spending so much time in there anymore. Um, Wesley spreads mean nicknames around. He al- um, <clears throat> Wesley invented a nickname. Uh-huh. Riker's been spreading it around. Yep. Well, Riker heard about it from Wesley, I assume. Um, he also gets to do engineering stuff with Jordy's team, where he blows everybody's spot up and shows off his gray sweater genius. That felt in character to me. Yep. This is my favorite Picard ever, this one. The one who tells Jordy and Riker he's tired. Wesley, you didn't invent the tractor beam. You made a little one. Yeah, that's right. Let's try to calm down a little bit. Also, we were only in that mess because of you. So, stop being a fucking moron. Um, again, this is my favorite Picard ever. The one who tells Jordy and Riker he's tired of their whining and to actually make an effort. Also, he gives Data the last great techno babble idea to save the ship. Something about power cycling. Oh yeah, that scene is awful. It's so where bad. they just put the lines into everybody's fucking mouth. Everybody like, gets the, the same ship. part of it. We've never learned who does what on this ship mm-hmm. before. They just uh, read it out in a big round. Except Data, who's supposed to be some kind of robot computer genius, he just stands there and does whatever he's told, and he's like, also, "I don't like, know, goes, I can't fix it." It goes from different in different places on the ship, but they could all be reading it in the same room. Yeah. Like it doesn't. It's a very bad scene. But they let Picard say the last part about power cycling or whatever. And then Data's like, it totally worked and we won the day. I'm glad I deducted that execution point. That Just thinking about that scene <laughs> made me mad. No emotions Data feels the need to comfort Picard when he has a slip of the tongue and calls him broccoli. Yep. Guinan is more open-minded than these other shits. She says her family was uh, humorless except her weird uncle or whatever. Is this the first time Troy has done a counseling session or was the first time when that kid's mom beefed it? Did we see a real counseling session? That's what session I'm trying to say. I don't know if she did or if she just kept showing up in his quarters or something. I, frankly, there's only like two or three memorable ones. There's this one and then there's the one from The Lost. Yeah, and she loses all her powers. And she's, and she's kind of a bad. bitch to that lady. And she's bad at it and she doesn't say anything right or do anything right. And then, late, and then later, the lady comes back and she's like, nah, man, you that was all good advice that you gave. You didn't need those powers all and along. And Troy smiles. You could not yell at me, though. And then the episode ends and we all go, what, were, what did we watch? Huh. All right. Guess we le- everybody learned nothing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, because we know her real job is to read people's minds and tell Picard what's in their minds. So uh, Yeah, exactly. And then also to be real mad about Devin Ani Rawl, despite the fact that, bitch, that's all you do on this ship. Yep. You cheat. And when, he, and when he pointed out that she was an incredible hypocrite, I was at home going, you tell him! Yeah, Devonati! Wait, hold on. I don't think I can root for this guy. Wait, wait a minute. He's got foot stuff. Definitely I has done some R's. He's a foot stuff. Uh, he's a foot stuff guy. I'm not into it. Uh, it was a five in characterization for me. Oh, man. As much as a five just because of that great Picard scene, huh? Picard and Guinan saved it. Um, 
Yeah, so I wrote, we're not really seeing anyone at their best this week. Uh, Guinan gets through to Jordy, and that's nice. Picard doesn't want to just pass the buck, but everyone's super on edge. Except for Dr. Crusher. We only get to see her in the holodeck, and she barely says anything, and cool. she's just a pillow. I'm glad she's not in this. She's just sort of not in it. I'm glad. <laughs> um, but I did give it as many as four, because we do get to see the crew in some new situations. So, like, there's definitely is character work going on here. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, ben has it as a four. Ben's a four. He says, "Did he asks if we? Yeah, okay. Yeah, did, did we meet Barkley before? I don't think we have. Picard is easygoing this week. Um, help out your underperforming guy, etc. Guinan has an Uncle Turkum. Oh, I didn't write it down, so I'm glad he did. Oh, I already said it once. Oh, you said Turkum? Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. He says Janeway would have joined in on Barkley's fun. Yeah, probably. She loves the fucking holodeck. Uh, the turnabout on Riker and Troy made me laugh. Everyone came off so petty seeming. Yep." They did. He gave it a four. Everyone did come off petty seeming, but Troy's big fun line where she tells her other self to muzzle it does not land. No. Also, it's like also, it's because she she goes over and stands on her because she's in the scene twice. Yeah. She has to go over and stand on her mark and take that extra second. Like yep. she doesn't know when she's supposed to say it. And the other one doesn't and know I, I when think, she's supposed to react. <laughs> and exactly. So I think that's the big problem. I found it to be the worst split screening like oh look uh, two of the same person it, it's really it's rarely worse than that there's nothing inherently wrong with the line muzzle it but it just it has zero chance of landing in that bad parent trap situation yep uh, what uh i got ones? some quick hitters Do it. uh barkley is the only man on this ship that hasn't figured out you need to neg Troy, yeah. not macho it up in front of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His holodeck fantasies, even if he could beat all those people up, would not work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you gotta he, like... He needs to come in. Oh, here it is. Count the Counselor uh, Troy. Yeah, she is oh, again. The Ice Queen herself is back. Well, why don't, you, why don't you lower your shields, Counselor Troy? Also, I'm gonna put my hands all over your head and fucking hair and everything. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna rub my hands yeah. all through your hair. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you like that? I was just handling a broken cargo container. I was just playing with a dog. <laughs> do you like that? <laughs> Yeah, oh, it smells good, huh? Mm, hey, yeah. uh, one time, Kelso wanted to fool around with Jackie, <laughs> and she asked him if he'd just washed his hands, and he said yes, but really he'd been playing with, like, five dogs. <laughs> dogs. It's one of the all-time best That 70s Show moments. Uh, uh, we rewatched all of That 70s Show just a couple of years ago. It's frankly not that bad. Yeah, parts of it are good. I mean, later on it gets real soap opera like it, a lot of it, them do. It goes on four seasons too long. Yeah. Um, Riker has learned from Picard that the correct response to being asked to do your job is anger and disgust. That's right. And he learned it from Kirk, I think. Yeah. This happens to not be a thing that Picard is mad about. Yeah. Um, this actually, this leadership thing, but he's seen what you're supposed to do when someone tells you to do your job. That's right. And you're right. It comes to the long line of Starfleet captains all the way from James Kirk. Yep. God, that's in this episode this week, too. He is so mad to have to do his job at the beginning. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, Put your personal discomfort on one side, says Picard. What's on the other side? I always want to know when people use that particular turn of phrase. I get it. He's just English. But what on one side is not how we would say it. Uh, Pat Stew, what does it mean? Maybe you can tell us as the actor. Riker um, knew the broccoli nickname was inappropriate. He tells Jordy to keep it to himself. Mm-hmm. 
But I guess he liked putting the little guy in his place anyway, huh? Yeah. Hey, um, the let's talk about the goddess of empathy. Okay. That's some uh, low-key racist nonsense, huh? Uh, you think? It's like, uh, well, he's been on the ship long enough to learn one trait about Counselor Troy. Yep, she's empathic. She's an empath. Yep. And what would that be like, he thinks, What's... but only for a minute. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, it's like if he learned she was a Japanese. We've been over this. It's uh, exactly what Tom Paris is always doing to Balana. Why don't you want to fight with Batleths and stuff? Hey, uh, good news. Data preloaded his language module this oh, week. Good. That's why he's able to tell that everyone's calling him broccoli clandestinely. That's nice. I guess he won't be needing his thesaurus. Wait, wait, wait. Is he able to tell that? Doesn't he, he ask something why about a vegetable? referring to him as, oh, as a vegetable in a clandestine okay. manner. So yeah. he still has questions about it, but he does understand it's clandestine. Okay. But he understands that they're doing it secretly. Yeah. Okay. You're Which, right. frankly, is pretty advanced for a guy who has to ask what gumshoe means <laughs> instead of just binging it. He's so dumb. Um, oh, this week Data knows to trail off and pretend to be busy when Picard gives him a look? He's learned a lot in the last week, and he will forget all of it by next week. Yeah. Um, Barkley's stuntman? <laughs> Looks like that blonde ensign that defected to the Romulans. <laughs> I hope it is that guy. That would be right. And they finally gave him, like, a couple of lines, but, like, just a couple. Yeah, not good ones either. Oh, Commander just Picard. Just a couple of bad lines where Picard yells at him. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like it there. They, I'll eat soup. <laughs> it's, it's, listen, everyone it's wears good cloaks soup. all the time because it's so misty, I guess. <laughs> and they eat nothing but soup. I like the idea that he's never been able to figure out why the robes. That's <laughs> just his best guess based on being there for a while. I asked them honestly. A, they don't like I don't it even when you think ask they know them why they do it. it. They do it even in the hot parts. It doesn't make sense. They don't like it. I ask about it. Like I asked about it a lot when I first got there, and I never got anything but looks. So I just had to try to figure it out on my own. They don't. They don't tell you when you defect that the whole place smells like soup farts. I don't mean like chicken clam, chicken corn chowder either, or like something good with some chunks in it. It's just broth. It's I say soothe. It's broth. It's broth. It's not good. Their animals don't taste good. It's, it's broth with, like, one leak in it. It's nothing. You ever imagined how a bat would taste? That's how this <laughs> broth tastes. We gotta save it up, because we will meet this guy. <laughs> anyway, I didn't really like it, so that's why I'm back. You asked why I'm back, and that's why I didn't. It's not fun. They don't have such as, like, they don't have, like, game shows on TV. You turn on the TV, it's just, it's guys in robes quietly talking to each other. I don't like it. There's no police <laughs> procedurals. There's it's no like, Chicago PD. It's like the McLaughlin group, but nobody ever lets the other people know that they're mad. <laughs> it's very, it's infuriating. You can tell, though. I mean, you can tell that they're mad, but, like, they just, they won't, they won't come out and say it. I don't like it very much. Commander Picard. <laughs> it's like if there was TV and I, Claudius. Oh, it's you're no a captain good. now. That's important for some reason. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> when Jordy goes into the holodeck for the first time. You can tell that he's pissed off at Crusher and Wesley during this conversation because he cannot conceive of what Barkley's doing here. <laughs> and he's the ship's number two or three creep himself. That's right. And this has never occurred to him. No, but he's given him some ideas, I bet. Uh, we know why Jordy and Riker and Picard 
are goons mm-hmm. in Barkley's little fantasy, and we know why Troy's there, unfortunately. Yeah. What did Data and Crusher do to get dragged into this shit? Yeah, wait, I'm trying to remember. I thought maybe I saw something that Data did, but now I don't remember. Yeah, shouldn't it have been like mostly the other engineers? Yeah, where's that, we that little shit week? engineer? And and like also his roommate who practices the oboe all night <laughs> or something. Right, yeah, or his his uh, his guy from the academy who was a bully or something. Yeah, where's fucking Finnegan? Yeah, where's Finnegan exactly? Yeah, it's only the senior staff. They still staff. have the rights to that racist music. They could have used it. It's just senior staff and Wesley. It's not even yeah. anyone who he might reasonably interact with. Oh, and we know why Wesley's there, too. Well, he's um, a piece of shit. Hey, um, it doesn't get answered in the show, but where did Barkley learn defense? Like, I get that his opponents are holograms and he's probably playing on easy mode, yes. but we, we can see what he's doing. Uh, he's been playing this program since he was 12. So okay. he's just, he's all over this shit now. Cause he's learned stage fencing, but he's, he's doing it. I got a real life Where question. did he learn to do it? Where did real life guy learn how to do stage fencing? <laughs> What's that guy's <laughs> name? The actor? Schultz? Dwight Schultz? He didn't. That's the Romulan. Oh, okay. Because there's some scenes where he's doing it, but it's mostly... Oh, he could do like two things in close-up, okay, but right. most of the time with the fencing, not Schultz. Yeah, that's true. I learned it on the A-team, probably. Yeah. They don't even... They don't have Angel. You ever seen Angel? They don't got that on <laughs> Romulan TV. You can't watch Angel. I want them to watch Angel. I asked about Angel. You can't watch Angel. Bones either. Even if you like David Boreanaz, you can't watch Bones. First week I was there, I said, what channel is Angel on? They said, what are you talking about? I said, I love this show... It's it's called Angel. He's like some kind of vampire or something. Also, do you guys have bread? I really want a sandwich. <laughs> Even if it's bat meat, I gotta have a sandwich. <laughs> Maybe I could dip the bread in this broth to have some bat. Could you guys bread. like even have just like a bread bowl? Could you put could you put the broth in a bread bowl? This bowl's really small too. Why do you guys only eat like one cup of soup? It doesn't seem like enough. You guys live 200 years because you eat only 40 calories a day? What's the deal? If the cup is four Romulan dollars, can I get a bowl for seven? (laughs) I want to know how to get more of this bat soup because I'm like, I don't know how we guys keep on your weight. How do you keep the weight on? Hey, my cloak is itchy. Is your cloak itchy? Yeah, I checked the forecast for a while. It just says mist. Just every day. It just says Romulus. Actually, it it just says caves. About that? Caves isn't weather. Where do I find the guy who made this weather app so I can tell him that cave isn't a weather? Hey, I was on Kronos once and it was real dark like this, but I feel like it was smoke and not mist. Also, I I feel like they were outside and we're like always inside. Are we ever outside? What's outside like? Aren't there some famous caves and waterfalls and stuff? Where do you get the bats? All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for naming the show. (laughs) Um, hey, this shit must have swept through the fleet like wildfire, because by the time we get to worst case scenario, everyone thinks it's pretty normal and pretty cool. Yes. To replicate your coworkers in the holodeck. Yep. Is it Tom Paris Here who says it that it happens all the time? Unimaginable. Or is he the one who's, I think Tom Paris says you fall in love on the holodeck all the time. Yeah, yeah Tom okay. Paris thinks you fall in yeah, love yeah. there, like always. But he means like with a 57 Chevy. That's right. It just loves cars. Do you think O'Brien just beams that thing back and forth when he's bored? <laughs> That's how he figured out there was a problem. No one was asking him to run that test. Yeah. Well, he wants to look like he's busy, and we all have our own ways of doing that. And his is just to beam things from one part of the pad to the other. Yeah. Uh, 
It doesn't seem professional to immediately touch the very nervous guy on his first clinical visit, Troy. Covered that. This feels like the only episode of TNG that the Voyager writers ever saw. <laughs> yeah, it could be. The last 90 seconds of action is just techno babble, a bunch of which comes from Picard and Riker for no reason. Yeah. I gave best actor to Blue Boy Wesley eating pie with his hands. I really enjoyed that. He does play He looked like dummy. he liked that pie. He does play dummy who wants to eat this pie really well. And worst actor to the goddess of empathy. Yeah. I don't know if that was supposed to be sexy, but I did not find it, so. I wasn't turned. You could barely see that her entire side was bare. What is this, Star Trek? Yeah, you gotta really, you gotta You're supposed to focus on that. it. Yeah. There's gonna be a girl in a purple bikini. That's right, coming up. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, I know, I think that we still have to do all of your quick hitters, Yeah, right? Yeah, let's hurry. Cause we're, yeah, let's do it, because right. I know you've got some. Okay, Sex Troy in scene one. Um, either Barkley is so nice in universe that he can't think of anything cool and tough to say on the holodeck, <laughs> or this show was so family friendly that they couldn't write anything cool or tough for him to say. He tells whoever he tells on the holodeck, get out of my life. <laughs> what? That's the cool, tough thing he thought of on the holodeck? It's real bad. Why don't you it's take a, your holier-than-thou attitude and get like out of original, my life? The original land was go pound sand, and everyone was like, no, <laughs> no that's too that's much. That's really aggressive. No. Uh, this is a syndicated show. Are you kidding me? <laughs> go pound sand? My favorite part of the episode was this Marjan's note. Marjan's note, completely serious. Do people have sex in the holodeck? She clearly has not been listening to our shows because it's the only thing we ever talk about that it is 100% for fucking. It's confirmed over and over and over again. She's just not a gross monster like we are, I guess. <laughs> she was horrified to find that out. Did you just go, I could, definitely. I couldn't, de I couldn't believe she asked the question. Uh, my modern instincts tell me that given that first scene where he's beating him up on the holodeck and then the scary music behind that uh, talking to Riker gave him, that Barkley would, in the modern days, definitely become an incel terrorist and try to blow up the ship. <laughs> yeah. Why was there that scary music when Riker was talking to him? He's like, we don't accept that kind of behavior on the Enterprise. And it's like, into the credits. Um... <laughs> All I could think when Jordy walked in on that program was, Oh God, did you hear me do the accent? You heard the accent, didn't you? You heard me. Oh, you heard the accent. Oh God. Um, why is Hollow Riker programmed to recognize himself? That seemed odd. Oh yeah. It's, it is one of those things where you can't get into it because then you're going to be like, sometimes they recognize when you're wearing a Starfleet uniform. Yep. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes if you make someone on a holodeck and that person walks in, they'll go, you look like a familiar and charming man or whatever. And you're just like, what the right. hell is happening here? Oh, it's as if uh, when Barkley was programmed, he took a minute to say, and he'd probably be attracted to himself. He thinks he's such hot shit. <laughs> Computer, like, make it so that this one's attracted to Commander Riker. Boom. Uh, that's it for quick hitters. I think we've done this one long enough. I don't know, man. I feel like I could go a lot longer. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have two more. Uh, you know, one thing that has not come up, and I hate to give the guy any praise because uh, he's like a right-wing shit-stirrer uh, now. Yeah. 
but uh, I actually think Schultz does a pretty good job in this episode. Like, he's got a lot of hard work to do here. He's got to play a real fucking weirdo, and that's a hard one. But I kind of both sides are actually come off pretty good, pretty well done. Yeah. So I'm not totally surprised that they kept bringing this character back. I mean, I don't know. He's probably in a total of four episodes or something. Yeah, it's true. I don't think he's in a ton. He's in the one They're where usually Barkley centric. Gets lasers in his brain, and he's in Barkley protomorphosis. And, and he's in the one where he's got transporter fears. And he's in the one with transporter psychosis. Yeah, yeah they, they doesn't, he doesn't show up in too many. You don't just, just see him uh, milling around, kicking around yeah, back there, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, any, hey. if anything, that's the episode where he's milling around. Is the one where they all devolve into beasts. That's not really about him. He's no, just the one who just, kicks it off. You're right. That is the one where he happens to be yeah. around. Second place last week uh, was TOS. That's a weird sentence. I know, right? It's been a while. Uh, so this week we watched Elon of Troyes. Mm. Oh, I just, I just fucking got it. <laughs> oh, I just, it's Helen of Troy. I just yeah, got a, it. It's a tough one. Enterprise enters the Telen star system on a secret diplomatic mission, and they bring aboard a bureaucrat from the outer planet, Troyus. He's some kind of fake Andorian or something. <laughs> named Petri. Mm-hmm. He's like a green-ass Andorian. Yep. And they ferry him over to the inner planet, Alos. Three goons beam over in Halloween costumes their moms made. And when they're satisfied that things are secure, they beam up the Dolman of Elos, a purple bikini girl. It's funny, when I saw those guys, I just thought, wow, I guess uh, TV costumes didn't advance that much between the 60s and when Battlestar Galactica came out in 78, because well, those are some real a, Battlestar costumes. On a real-life production note, they were made out of placemats. <laughs> Someone cut flames out of sparkly red and orange placemats. Well, that's as fascinating as that outfit deserves to be. And stapled them to a bodysuit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh... This woman, Elon, yeah, is giving all kinds of orders in some kind of accent. This, and Kirk isn't having any of it. Yeah, I her accent was troubling me so hard I had to look everything up about her and figure out what was happening. Yeah, so the actors they hired is uh, French Vietnamese. Yep. In this and one, which you which you would know by the way if you just looked at her name because yes. it is France. France. I assume Ellis Island got yeah. to her, and it's supposed to be Nguyen, but it's... Nguyen. Nguyen. Yeah, it's N-U-Y-E-N. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but but so, they've, yeah. Uh, they are going for like a Cleopatra vibe or something with this one, right? Yes. They got her in a weird wig. So there's... I think they've yes. browned her up. Uh, yeah, probably. I think they did. Uh, And purple bikini. Yes. The purple bikini doesn't last. She, does she has the most costume changes of any extra. Yes. Um, the Trojan ambassador, Petri, tells Kirk he is bringing the Dolmon back to Troyes to be the wife of their leader. Mm. as a state marriage to avert a nuclear war. I am for you, Oracle Vault. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, can't wait till we hit that one. Mm. But she doesn't seem to be happy with any of it, just wrecking up Uhura's quarters for being too soft and womanly, throwing the ambassador out on his ass. Yep. 
Petri is ready to call it quits on the whole mission. Uh, but Kirk tells him to sack up. He does a lot on of that the, in this episode. Yes. On the bridge now, Spock has got a sensor ghost. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Klingons, it turns out, also claim this territory for reasons that they do not know. Yep. Uh, so... Kirk is giving the Dolman a manners lesson in engineering when the Echo gets closer. And sure enough, they got one of these uh, Klingon D7s on their tail. Yeah. Kirk has given uh, his great advice to Petri. Meanwhile, earned him just a stabbing. He just got stabbed. <laughs> yep. So he'll live, but he's in sick bay. And Nurse Chapel has a real good look when she asks him how the uh, Elysian women enslave men. Mm. Because that's their reputation that uh, McCoy was drooling about earlier. Also, I don't know if it's intentional, but I definitely got the feeling she was curious for her own uses because she wants to uh-huh. get it, Spock. Boy, it sure came off that way. Uh-huh. Huh? It's a bad. It's a bad character. The show's one lovesick character. Mm-hmm. Well, now to that, have asked that question. Now that what's her name's gone. Yeah. Now that, they got rid of her. It's like sixty episodes ago. Now that we'll never see her legs again. Um. And he tells her that they do it biochemically through their tears. But to make matters even worse, Uh a Federation high commissioner is en route to Uh attend the wedding. So now Kirk has to at least pretend to care about this fucking mission. Yeah. And he's going to teach her, since she stabbed the other guy, he's going to teach her manners himself. Okay. And so they have a little slap fight. Uh Uh-huh. That's fun for everyone. Uh, And meanwhile, her boy Crichton... I didn't say his name, but it is Crichton. <laughs> yep. Sneaks on into engineering and does something to the dilithium crystals. Mm-hmm. And also kills a guy. <laughs> he straight killed a guy. Um, Yeah, he, she does not want to get to the destination, and I guess she has made these guys go and do a sabotage or something. Right. Well, we'll see. Okay. Kirk, Kirk's so eager to get get this training out of the way that he has Spock stun all her guards and breaks into her room. Yep. And she bites him and she locks herself in the bathroom. And then she comes out and starts crying about how she just wants people to like her. And whoops, Kirk touches one of her tears. Uh Now he was in sick bay. Yeah. When nurse chapel asked Petri. Yeah. Was he not paying attention about this trick? But I guess he was so embarrassed by the fact that she was asking that question because he knew she meant to use it on Spock that right. he tuned out. He's like, I don't want to know any of this. My personal theory about that. Because uh-huh. Kirk and McCoy both heard it. Or Spock and McCoy both heard it. Right. Anyway, he touched them damn tears. Um, so they do kissing. Yeah, they do. And then Uhura catches Crichton communicating with the Klingons from engineering. And Kirk's spell is momentarily broken as he goes to save his ship, which he loves like a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk threatens Crichton with uh, a mind meld from Spock, some great mind torture from Spock. And so Crichton steals a phaser and vaporizes himself. Yeah, that was a real good threat. Good job. Good job, Kirk. You made the guy kill himself. Elon uh, busts in and tells him, hey, why don't we just... You know, use your ship to destroy Troyus and rule this whole system. Sure. And at this point, Spock and McCoy show up and say, Ah, oh, buddy, 
Oh, buddy, I'm so sorry. You got you got the you tears got with a super love potion. Yep. Yes, they do say super. <laughs> a super, super love, love potion. potion. Yep. Not a regular love potion, this which one's... is also real. Yep. But a super love. That's potion. one we just heard about today, but it's also real. So the Klingons uh, approach, and Kirk decides to run because his mission here isn't to fight Klingons. Right. Um, but Scotty calls just in time to tell him, hey, the antimatter pods have been rigged. They'll blow. Yeah. And when the Klingons pass without attacking, Kirk decides that their plan was to force Enterprise to blow itself up. Yeah. So there's some intrigue going on here. What do the Klingons want with this system, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, how do the placemat guys know them? Well, at this point, the dolman shows up on the bridge wearing her wedding gifts. Yeah. And Spock realizes that her necklace is dilithium, yep. which we all knew because it was that same color. <laughs> it's the color of dilithium. Yeah. Uh, and she describes it as being made of common stones, which does not explain why it was the Petri's most treasured heirloom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's just being catty about it. So dilithium is either super common or very rare, but they've got it here, and that's why the Klingons are going on right about all this and spock and scotty have to put the stones in the reactor and yeah they turn her neck kirk into does the a thing super cool maneuver of turning the ship around and fighting <laughs> and then the klingons are damaged and retreat from the system and uh elon gives kirk her dagger and they say a little solemn goodbye Ugh. and matthew what's this episode about uh mm, okay well i'll start with ben Nothing can come between a man and his ship. It's now a trope by the third season, and they tried to make a whole episode out of the trope. I mean, sort of. I had courtesy, mercy, duty. Civilization is made of these things. Kirk tries to teach this broad a lot of lessons, but this episode is so god-awful I must have forgotten some of them. <laughs> That's all I could come up with. This was hot dumps. <laughs> if it really was trash but in terms of the take it was a four i don't know did you figure out what this was about uh i don't think there's any way to take more away from this episode than women are manipulative and need a man to set them see that's why i think the episode was kind of about that but it sounded cynical but maybe you're right maybe that's just what they intended uh, it's like i the other take, the the area that you're working on is just pure colonialist yeah. nonsense. Because he is literally concerned with her table manners. Yeah. It is... Oh, it's awful. It could not be more trivial. It's awful, uh, like, is, uh, as you said, on a gender basis. It's awful on a cultural basis. Everything that happens in this episode is awful. This is this is pure imperial. This is he's going to teach her how to behave in a civilized fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, her tears are a super love potion. Yep, and you'll have to give and her a spanking. So this is this is all manipulation. Um, so I gave it zero points. Like not fair. a no take, but zero points. It's fair. It's a trash episode with a trash message. But surely it executed very well, right? Well. <laughs> So it's misogynistic on its face. Yep. And then it also muddies the waters by dragging an Asian woman into this thing and then doing a bunch of uncivilized uh -huh. behavior and table manners work on top of it. And I don't know if that was anything. Star Trek's real bad at casting women. Yeah. I wouldn't swear to God that it was more than just, uh, she said she'll wear the outfits. <laughs> That's right. Can she read? Yeah. She said she really needs this. We don't even have to pay her. So that's great. Yeah, she's got some kind of weird accent, but she can read. Yeah. Ah. There you go. 
Shat says he's worked with her before. Shat swears by her. Um, her bodyguard is a Klingon agent, and that is just unexplored. Yep. There's just a throwaway line about how he was jealous about her, and I guess that is why he started working for the Klingons, but we don't get to learn anything about that. Yep. The Federation's stake in all of this, not discussed. Did they know about the dilithium? Yeah. Are these guys moving towards Federation membership? You know, what's going on in this Cold War from that side? Yep. The costumes are bad. It's just not a good outing. I gave it two points. Yeah. Ben gave it two as well. He said, this is so hokey, even for TOS. Oh my God, it's clear that Shatner is loving telling off this girl and slapping her. Yes. Oh, yeah. So Kirk falls under her spell, but it was clear he was already into it before that. Yes. I forget why the Federation cares again. Uh-huh. Okay. The check. necklace is the answer? Yep. That's some random well, bullshit. As soon as I saw that fucking yeah. necklace. <laughs> You're like, I, that's dilithium. I see it. Listen, they are saving money wherever they can in this fucking show. If they show you a prop up close, it's something. Yeah, you guys both gave it a two. I only gave it a one. Um, I have a feeling we're going to find that the perfect mate in TNG didn't age well. But good lord, this was a pile of pig shit. But the, so the you're I and I think you're absolutely right. The perfect mate is probably going to come up lacking. A lot of that episode hinges on what does she want. Yep. Right. It's it is fucking unaddressed in this. Yeah. The best. Part what does of, she want? To be spanked. <laughs> she does. She wants to be civilized. I mean, she says she, she doesn't. Wants to learn but about she wants that it. Earth custom of spanking. Uh huh. The best part of this episode was the submarine warfare, but I didn't follow the motivations behind any of it. I didn't like understand what was happening politically. So even that was nothing. Yep. So yeah, just the one for me. What about in terms of world building? Stardate 4372.5. A top secret diplomatic mission in a system claimed by Starfleet and the Klingons. The stuff about the differences between the men and women of Troyes. Magic tears. The dolmen of Elos. Or Elos. Elos? What is? What do we call them? This? Listen. It do- <laughs> obviously it's supposed to be Hellas. Yes. For for Greek, Greeks, the Greeks. Yep. But who knows? Uh, and her political marriage. Spock and company are better at tracking cloaked ships than the people of DS9 a hundred years later. Oh, also, by the way, we can agree. This is not the story of the Trojan War, right? God, no. They just forgot all of that? Yeah. After they made this um, no. Yangs and Cons level? Yes, dude. This is just like when they had that thing about Plato's stepchildren. And they just went in the beginning. They're like, we really like Plato. And you're just like, that's it? That's why this is called that? That's why you call yourself Plato Steptral? Yeah, we met Plato. He's pretty good. Anyway, this isn't about Plato. <laughs> yep. Just like this isn't about <laughs> Ellen and Troy. Um, all right. Um, so like I was saying, Spock and company are already better at tracking cloak ships than the people of DS9 100 years later, but maybe the cloak is worse too. I don't know. The Federation High Commissioner. I think we've heard about him before. Kirk describes sickbay as the best protected part of the ship. I think that was just to make her go there, though. Yep. This episode... Although, yeah. again, who knows why. Right. This episode seems Some to indicate... Some McCoy could keep an eye on her and probably touch her. Uh, he probably did it that. He probably said, go ahead and change. I won't look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that outfit a lot. Um... <laughs> This episode seems to indicate that it's actually preferable to fight at warp speed, which I think is a thing we've seen in TOS before. It seems to only happen in TOS. It's They're like, we can't fight. We're not at warp speed. We're, they're going to beat the crap out of us. 
Yeah. And then when they get the warp, they fight so very good. Dilithium necklace for good luck. The number four shield. Two points. Okay. I've got a few more okay. points than that on the board. Um, did you talk about Ben? Uh, not yet. Let, let's get him involved. He's got... Four. Uh, four. He's a four. So he has... Uh, <laughs> uh, mutually assured destruction. So this is another one of those situations. Mm. Political marriages. Phasers are crude like the guns of a naval ship. Um, <laughs> on all planets in the galaxy except Vulcan, the women are not logical. <laughs> that was a big laugh. Um, starship fights must cover a huge amount of ground. Yeah. And uh, you can, dilithium is safe to wear against your skin. Yep. And it doesn't make sense that the Enterprise's ability to fire photon torpedoes depends much on power from the rest of the ship, but it seems to. I guess it makes sense if you buy the TNG tech manual explanation, which is that they are accelerated to three quarters of the speed of light by the torpedo launcher. That'd be energy. Yeah. That'd be a big energy suck. Uh, we Here we have a rare instance of interplanetary travel being very slow at impulse speed. They're just going from one to the other, but Kirk tells him to go at impulse. Yeah. So he can, you know, teach her how to eat with a fork. Right. And everyone thinks that's crazy. Uh, without the matter-antimatter reactors, the ship continually loses power. Oh. Uh, crude dilithium crystals can be fitted into the engine, but it's risky. The Klingons need dilithium bad enough to try some real stunts. Yeah. Uh, I gave it as many as five, but I actually think a four is more appropriate. Okay. Uh, characterization. Yeah, Kirk threatens to spank an uncivilized woman until she cries, and then he fucks her. <laughs> 100 so points. that's super great. Uh, he handles the Klingons correctly. Yep. That's the upside of that. Spock and McCoy watch what's happening this week, but they don't really have an active role to play. Yeah, uh, I, you know, normally I say it's a three-man job that sometimes two will do, but this week I guess just one. Only Kirk was really in it. They show up and say, oh, I'm so sorry you got that love potion. Mm -hmm. And then they don't do anything about it. No. So that was nothing. And then at the end they say, ah, he was already in love with his, you know, with his starship. So yeah, that's all good. Spock does a lot of talking about shield number four and whatever. So Kirk's bad, but he's good at command. I gave it three. Ben gave it as much as five. He said, Kirk gets so hot by deriding and smacking that chick. They definitely admit they sleep together. Kirk is all in until he realizes Enterprise is in danger from the Klingons. All right, here's where I went. Kirk and Scotty are already mad about having to do their jobs in scene one. <laughs> really? There's a scene where they talk about how fucking dumb this whole thing is. Yep. Uh, Kirk waits until he sees the dolman is a sexy broad and then goes, Come on, guys, why aren't you bowing to her? Jeez. Yeah, it is true. Like, he does seem like they're going to take a principled stance for a second. He's like, <laughs> he's like oh, all right, I'm into it. It's a chicken up in a bikini. All right. But he doesn't like this broad telling him what to do, and he will definitely educate her on proper etiquette of all kinds. He's a real Riker-level diplomat in this one. Uh, he yells at her that she's uncivilized, tells her to learn what she's told, slaps her, says he'll teach her about spanking, makes out with her, fucks her. 
Also, not the Riker who wore feathers on one planet and no. furs on another. Now we've only heard okay. tell not of that season, Riker. Not season one Riker. Yeah, we've never seen that Riker. That's one that he described himself. Um, McCoy is already horny as this episode begins. Uh, he's heard about these ladies. And he's into it. And he's into he's it. Ready. And he wants Spock to know he's into it. And Spock does a big comedy eye roll. I had to give it a one. It's not good. It all made me offended. This is not one of the better outings. No, they didn't crush it this week. Uh, but surely you have some quick hitters. Okay, yeah, like I said, this lady's accent was troubling me, so I looked her up and found out she was Vietnamese French, which is fascinating in and of itself for the late 60s. And then, um, she, like I said, she and Shatner worked together previously on some play, some Broadway show. I don't know if it was off-Broadway. I don't know. Some kind of, some kind of play. And, uh, and then she later played uh his wife and some other thing oh and also this aired before plato's stepchildren so she was kirk's first on-screen interracial kiss oh shit yeah wow man uhura can't get anything it's tough she's not given anything in this show um somebody in this episode i didn't write down who says if i stay here for 10 light years Oh, yeah. Instead of 10 years. Yeah, yep. they did a Han Solo. Uh, it acts like a super love potion. Fuck me, the dialogue in this thing is putrid. Um, that Klingon was the nerdiest Klingon of all time. Enterprise, prepare to be boarded and destroyed. I, I already rolled and it was a success, so you have to do what I say now. That wasn't one of the three boys from DS9, was it? Nope. The okay. dungeon master's my friend, Alex, but I promise he's totally impartial. We <laughs> we wouldn't disgrace D&D that way. I, we really rolled it, and so you have to do it now. He was such a fucking nerd. Every time he popped up on the screen, I was like, this is the guy they got? Yeah. That's it for me. Well, they didn't give that character a name as far as I know. No, so he was... They didn't put a lot into it. Klingon captain. Uh, ben says uh, the Trojan dude looks straight out of the lollipop guild. <laughs> yep. And he doesn't understand how the how Crichton killed that guy in engineering. It's literally just grabbed his head and the guy died. <laughs> and he's not a fan of the Klingon model. Um, I, it was all CG. I don't know what he was watching, but it, it's a very simple model. Maybe he was watching sure. the original, the, the unmodified version. Maybe it was bootleg. even more blank and uh, featureless in that for sure. Yeah. Uh, quick hitters, I'm surprised Kirk just doesn't say, like Hellas and Troy, from the Trojan War? You know, from literature? <laughs> You've heard of it. Uh, again, Spock gives a super great look on his face after McCoy runs his mouth about the mystical power of Elysian women. Yep. Uh, Crichton and the other Elysian guards, worst costumes in any Star Trek yet. Yeah. They were bad. <clears throat> uh, and then I wrote, and this is way early, I'm like desperately afraid that kirk is going to give this mouthy woman a spanking yeah now we'd never see that happen no but it definitely happens because she's into but it and he's into there it. was a lot of spanking discussion after that mm-hmm. what if we just put some uh fleur-de-lis over her breasts that's a costume right that counts <laughs> you weren't you weren't lying you had told me because you'd already seen this before we potted last and you said that it's a real cutout outfit that is exactly TOS. And when she showed up on that transporter pad, I went, oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Purple bikini girl. 
she's his Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Spock, the women on your planet are logical. That's the only planet in the galaxy that can make that claim. Cool. <laughs> Very cool yeah, and fun. Yeah, the women. The antidote for Elysian Tears is a starship. But maybe give him the one McCoy found, too, <laughs> instead of just taking Spock's metaphor literally. Yeah. I gave best actor to Spock being sick of McCoy's horniness. Good. And worst actor, too horny to answer the phone, Kirk. Good. <laughs> good. We got one more to do. All right, good. Last week's winner was Deep Space Nine. They've been doing this that a week lot. This week we watched Family Business. Jake and Ben Sisko sit down for dinner, and Jake brings up that freighter captain that he mentioned last week that he wants his dad to date. Meanwhile, Rom and Quark are bickering about Nog studying for the academy entrance exams or whatever, instead of working at the very busy bar. A representative from the Ferengi Commerce Authority shows up and the bar is shut down. Brunt, who's the FCA rep, tells Quark after some light bribing that uh, he's in trouble for failing to supervise his mother, who has broken the law by earning profit. Strictly forbidden among Ferengi women. Quark has to head home to deal with uh, his mom now, uh, with Rom in tow. She's a real disaster wearing clothes and talking to strangers and generally embarrassing her children. Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> what is that? What does that mean? You know what it means. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um, uh, meanwhile, O'Brien and Bashir are trying to break into Quark's bar. When Quark locked it up, he kept their great dartboard inside. They bought. This is really happening in the episode. They bother. <laughs> it really does happen. <laughs> they bother Cisco about dating that freighter captain because this B plot's all about the peer pressure Cisco's facing to go on that date. Quark confronts his mother about her three bars of latinum profit and begs her to confess her guilt, but she refuses. Rom gives it a shot later too. No luck though. Meanwhile, Cisco finally goes to see that captain. She's a competent freighter captain who can handle herself. Is what they're going for. Anyway, they chat, and she asks him to coffee. Meanwhile, again, Quark has been investigating and discovers that Moogie, that's what they call their mom, has made so much profit in secret, much more than the three bars she's charged with, that it dwarfs Quark's personal fortune and his ability to pay it back. Quark accuses her of having help from some male because she couldn't possibly have done so well herself. Then he goes to tell the FCA everything. Um... Rom shows up and tries to stop him. Oh, actually, Rom tries to stop him before he leaves. They get into a brawl, and Quark storms off. Then Rom follows him to the FCA building and tells Quark Moogie has agreed to share her ill-gotten gains with him. So Quark goes back home, but it was just a trick. It's just parent trapping him. Yeah, he told them both that the other one was ready to give in. He just wanted them to chat. It's like the only thing that ever happens in a sitcom. Someone lied to two people. Yep. Um, he just, uh, demands that they talk this out and come up with a solution. And they chat for a bit, and I don't know, I guess they make up. Anyway, Cisco and Cassidy, that's that freighter captain, they're having coffee, but she seems dis- disinterested. It turns out it's because she's missing her brother's baseball game. 
He, yeah. He plays it on Cestus 3. This gives Cisco an obvious pants malfunction, so they're off to a good start. <laughs> Back on Ferenginar, Quark's mom plays dumb like a dumb lady and apologizes, and they confess to a third of her profit crime, and they bribe Brunt to go quietly. Then they have a nice goodbye. The end. Well, that was a a very lackluster, <laughs> depressed-sounding description of this episode. I'm depressed because I gave it so many points. <laughs> well, let's get it started then. Yeah, let's get uh, it started. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I was well, on the am, quad toilet earlier. Let's get it started. Boom, pow. I think I got it right. I think you pretty much got there. Yeah. Uh, so Ben ha- has this as a four, and he says, gender inequality is stupid and in the end unprofitable. Which he thinks is not a hot take. Hmm. Um, is uh, I disagree that that's what the episode is about. Okay, that is the backdrop to the episode for sure. Okay, but uh, it's all done very wink and nod. Like, oh, this is what the Ferengi are like, and it's not about like it's not about that at all. To me, this is an episode about political opinions stemming from personal motivations. Okay. Rom supports his son because he's unhappy with his place in Ferengi society. Hmm. Ishka is not going to put her politics above her relationship with her sons. That's Moogie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Her name's Ishka. Quark is traditional in situations where tradition gives him power, but he's clearly very annoyed by the Ferengi customs when he goes back to the home world. Mm -hmm. And Brunt is inside of the power structure, and he's the most traditional of all. Okay. Um, it's a little bit of a cynical take. I think Star Trek usually would like to present a world where people uh, maintain their politics, even though it's not convenient to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's also something that everyone likes to pretend isn't true. And so I'm not mad at the take in and of itself. I gave it six points. Well, I melded your two takes together and it got as much as eight points. Let's have it. There's no reason to discriminate against somebody you're not afraid of. Um, Mm-hmm. That's what we get from Quark's jealousy of his mother's skills, right? The reason sexism exists on Ferenginar and also in 1990s Earth, I assume they're saying, is because men have fragile egos? Yeah, I think there's a, a strong undercurrent of that, for sure. And they're also not wrong, I guess. I gave it an 8. Um, flipping around to execution, this is what sci-fi does, right? It exaggerates a problem in real society, so it's painfully obvious what they're getting at. Basically, they're saying we haven't come that far because there is an equality between men and women. The issue, I suppose, is that the inequalities between men and women in our country, which is what they were talking about, aren't codified so much as they are societally held and enforced. So it's not a perfect analogy. It does show how prejudice is more based on weird paranoia and internal psychological stuff than anything out there in the world. We get too much weird Star Trek writer crap about naked ladies and mom stuff. Yeah. That's not a blast. They do think it's very funny that Rom would be more comfortable if his mom was naked. Mm-hmm. Like, That's like, a big funny joke. She's like, would you feel more comfortable if I took off my clothes? I'm like, this is going to be hilarious. The, they laid on real thick with all the Ferengi shit, too, when yep. Quark says, my house is my house, or whatever. Mm-hmm. The B-plot's nothing, which is pretty common with DS9. I mean, it's almost always a uh, news radio situation with, with this show. It really is. Like, I don't know. Except that in the news radio, the B-plot is also funny. That's right, exactly. 
I hate encouraging them to do more Ferengi stuff, but it felt like they went for a thing and they didn't. They didn't back down from doing that thing. They didn't have to do it. I gave them six points. That's like a consequence of their reluctance to do big Bajoran and Cardassian mm-hmm. stories that when they get into the Ferengi shit, it's it's often the most interesting stuff they're doing. Yep, I think we've already found this in some other Ferengi ones. We're like, oh, we have to give them points for this? God damn it. Or even just like the 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 <clears throat> throwaway part where Quark goes with Cisco into the Gamma Quadrant <laughs> yeah. to go camping. And he points out racism and stuff. And, he, and it's just like, ah. It's a sort of an interesting look at how people think about the Federation, right? And it makes me so mad every time they do a Ferengi thing and I give it points. I'm like, God damn it. Um, well, you gave this more points than Ben, who zeroed it out on execution. Yeah, he did. He says he likes it when their mom grabs him by the ears and it stops the fight. That seemed very effective. Everyone remember ears are balls. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. That's my, right. that's my editorialization there. Yeah. She gave him a real mean Umox. Oh, well, he got there, too, because he said, then again, maybe some Ferengi like that. Oh, damn, maybe I don't like that after all. Yeah. Rom finally finds his lobes. It's weird seeing grown men snuggle up to their moms. Uh-huh. Oh, no, nakedness. Zero points for old lady nudity. <laughs> so go. Ben has got some examination to do of his own, I think. <laughs> That's right. If you, the idea of a naked old lady makes you give it zero points. Yeah, you have dream sequence things that you deduct points for, but he deducted all the points. He deducted the full suite of points. I don't know how many he was going to give it. Maybe it was only going to be a point or two, two yeah. right? Uh, I guess I'm splitting the difference. I gave it a four. Okay. I think they tried too hard to inject humor into this one. Yeah. And I think that's the major failing of the episode. I didn't like it. Um. I don't think the B-plot does a lot of work. No, it does nothing. It's like they thought that all of the old lady nudity and paying to have to sit down wasn't funny enough, so we had to see put-upon Cisco all over the station also. Yeah, he really and was just that, on an adventure around, uh, adventure around the station, so everyone could tell him he needs to go on a date. Right. Um, I, I thought the two scenes with Cassidy Yates were entirely chemistry-free. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So... That I did not enjoy. Uh, as little as I was looking forward to this episode, though, at the end of the day, it actually wasn't that hard to watch. Uh, so it's a four. Okay. World building. Uh, let's start with Ben. He's a four. The Frankie Commerce Authority, writs of accountability, all of their rules, men mm-hmm. being responsible for the actions of the women in their family. He thinks there's too much Ferenginess, so it's not really a world-building note. Uh, sharp, sharpen their teeth. Mm-hmm. Ferengi's Eskimo kiss. Yep. We get to see Quark's home. He says there's a lot of it there, and only some of it's good. He gave it a four. Okay. Um. So we again we have all of the Ferengi household customs. Mm-hmm. We learn a lot about Quark's family. Like there's a lot in here that. Y- you didn't cover that yeah. I did hasn't come up yet so far about, about their dad and Quark takes after his dad, but he also idolizes him a little bit. But if you dig a little deeper, it turns out he maybe was not, wasn't a good, the great businessman. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and all this stuff, Rom takes after his mom. There's, there's a lot of fi- family dynamic stuff for one of the main characters here. Uh, Mark five transporters. That's kind of nothing, but I mean, it's, it's an interesting look at, who's got what technology hmm. the fact that she's a captain for another species yeah um but we learn 
like we we learned so much about the Ferengi mm-hmm. in this one. I gave it a six. I was close. I gave it a five for the same reason. I mean, there's a, a ton of just like old fashioned world building in here. It's just a matter of how much any of it matters. Um, Pelgenites exchanging ambassadors with the Federation. Uh, the FCA. A guy showing up from the FCA is enough to close the bar immediately. Yeah. It's not a good sign, I guess. Um, he just pasted that big uh, C up on the wall, you know? Mm-hmm. Quark is still getting money from the Tulaberry wine shits. Um, oh, yeah. The commonality of Ferengi bribe culture. I think we already know how women are treated on Ferenginar, but there's obviously a lot of specific information in this episode. The new runabout they get is the Rubicon. Um, Ferengis call their mother Moogie, or at least these two do. Uh, rituals when entering a Ferengi home. Tripartite micro-sealing mechanism. Ferengi eat tube grubs and worms and bugs and shit in case we never brought it up before. In case we didn't think they were gross. Yet again, what is a bar of gold press latinum worth? She earned three bars, and they act like it's nothing, but as you point out earlier in the show, five bars was a lot of money. I think the the writers have had accidental inflation. Yeah. Uh, it always rains on Foranganar, which may have been previously mentioned. Females can be sold into indentured servitude for the crime of making profit. Profit. Um, that may be a punishment for any crime that you do there. I don't know. Um, Rom says the bar is thriving, which is not what we're usually told. Oh, remember that uh, Quark says there's no slavery on Ferenginar. So he's cutting a fine line between indentured, indentured servitude. servitude and slavery. Uh-huh. Just keep that in mind. Especially f- forced indentured servitude. <laughs> right. Um, the labels on Captain Yates' cargo all say Cassidy Yates in huge letters. Yep. Is that the crazy customs labeling or is that her company logo? It's not a good logo. <laughs> But it's huge. It's on every single box. I'm just like, man. Because it's just in Deep Space Nine font. She really wants everyone to know this is hers. Uh, Cestus 3, which we've heard of before. I guess when you're trying to have an economy, yeah. but you're from the Federation, maybe you're not good at it. Yeah, she probably does not have the instincts. Um, Doesn't have the lobes. Cestus 3 is a six-team baseball league, including the Pike City Pioneers and the Cestus Comets. They use wood bats and no DH. This is the stuff I care about. Um, And then obviously a ton of other details about Frankie Society I didn't mention. So I gave it a five. Um, Characterization. Ben gave it a two. Uh, Moogie is mommy or something in Frankie. Rom grows a pair of lobes. Big points for him. Quark learns nothing except a little bit of understanding. I assume he means with his mom. Uh, Moogie gets away with it all. Well, two thirds of it. Um, I had it as a four. This is at least the second time we've seen Cisco cook. This time it's Hungarian food. Yeah, go ahead. He's mad horny about baseball. Jake is still trying to set his dad up on a date. He's out of the episode after that. Um, Rom is a nice dad now. What happened to plotting murderer Rom? He's a mama's boy too. I guess that was his last effort to, to be, be a, a Ferengi. <laughs> he gave up after that. Even nice guy Rom feels more comfortable when his mom is naked. Rom, Rom gets real assertive when it comes to family stuff, though. 
Quark doesn't think much of Starfleet Academy. His mom, Ishka, is some kind of dang Ferengi feminist or something. He never got along with her growing up. He thought she undercut their father with her behavior. Despite that, Ishka says uh, he's always been more than generous with his stipend that he provides her. Yeah, we're supposed to not think he's a bad guy, I think, somehow in all of this. It's tough. It's tough every episode to think that. Dax is still uh, nosy gossip. This is her only role in this episode is to pop up and be super nosy. Mm-hmm. O'Brien and Bashir are desperate to get their own dartboard back. They'll even break and enter if they need to. Why? Yep. Why is everyone cool with it? Yeah, Odo's just sitting there watching them. Cisco walks Odo up. Odo and Cisco are just like, this is fine. Yep. This doesn't definitely... You're not setting a bad example at all. Demonstrate some kind of weird conflict of interest mm-hmm. or double standard for the, all the residents of this station. Yeah, so just the four for me. I'm one better. Okay. So obviously we have a lot of backstory and motivation for Quark and Rom. Yeah. I particularly liked seeing Quark's irritation at all of the little Ferengi customs that don't exist on Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. Having to tip the way he obviously forgets or doesn't care about the little entrance ceremonies... Uh, when when Brunt comes by, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, he left for a reason. He has been enjoying his time away from Ferenginar probably in a way he didn't think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that all comes through pretty nicely. Um, I find it a little hard to believe that Fellowship writer Jake would be blowing up Cisco's whole spot like this. It feels like a weird subplot that escaped from season one. Yeah. And the baseball thing has a lot of precedent in Cisco's character, but it's like the only thing about him. <laughs> yep. And so when he got super like uh, all clocked up about it, yeah, I was like, ah, it's going to be this for the rest of the whole fucking series. You got it. Again, someday they'll all play a big baseball game on the holodeck. They remembered that he had a character trait. So yeah. enjoy how it is forever. Yep. It's just going to be the whole thing forever from, from now on. So uh, I didn't love that. I gave it a five across the board. All right. Uh, before we do the scoring, quick hitters. <clears throat> yeah, I got some. Do it. As uh, directed by Rene Aubergenois. Ben mm. has the same note. I guess he didn't have much confidence in Avery Brooks' ability to cook and act at the same time <laughs> because he gets to chop one carrot and toss it into a sad-looking salad, and that's about <laughs> it. Yep. Sprinkle some maybe paprika, some gray paprika on top of a chicken. We got Jeffrey Combs here as Brunt. Yep. You may know him as Shran. Maybe you know him as Shran. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's not O'Brien's lucky dartboard, what is his motivation for this caper? I mean, it is his lucky dartboard, right? He just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. Second point transporters exist to just beam in there why are you picking this lock so, on the promenade this is just a fun hobby that he and bashir are taking up right lock picking mm-hmm. they bought some sets they bought some lock yes. picking sets on uh space amazon like a woot.com or something mm-hmm. and now they're fucking into it yeah next they're gonna try cisco's quarters it's a good thing Jake set his dad up with a black lady, huh? Well, that's always the way it is. Star Trek is like that. 
every time. I was getting real. I was getting real nervous that it might be a, a white woman. I know. What would we even do? We'd probably have to stop the project. Then they couldn't air Deep Space Nine in the South, huh? <laughs> it's, it's too. It's know, Tuvok's wife. It's every time. Thing. It's every single time. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Just keep saying it's fine. It's not, I, I don't even think they mean bad by it, but like yes, the fact that, that you just know, you just yep. know it's going to be the case. Yep. It's, um, you know that it's not a coincidence that it was very specific in the casting call. It is, uh, if you are generous, you can say it's unconscious. <laughs> um, but if you really want to be super positive, you could say it's another job for a, a black actress. Yep. Yep. In space. Uh, hey, uh, I've learned the cinematic language. A uh, low angle during a fight is always bad news for the table in the center of the frame. That's right. <laughs> yep. They uh, gave Brunt tiny little lobes, little yeah. fun little burn on the IRS, huh? And something for something to motivate his character if he's a smart actor. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's got some stuff that he's working through. Uh, so Rom harvested those grubs from their own cellar mm. so on this hyper capitalist planet <laughs> everyone is also kind of a subsistence farmer or is that a special thing that their family does yeah it's or... a rom specialty like those those grubs they don't have like their genetic profile yeah. isn't patented by some company and and they fatten them up real they good get sued out of existence for trying to grow them in their <laughs> own cellar right they don't have the license. Seems like uh, for a minute they forgot what the Ferengi are. Yeah. Or they just did not predict the kind of dystopian nightmare we would actually be living with where we don't yet have to pay for elevators, but you can get sued if some corn blows into your field and starts growing. <laughs> yes, the dystopian nightmare we live in where basketball players try to patent things like Taco Tuesday. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but sure. <laughs> Um, where did Moogie get those robes? Yeah, she's not allowed to wear clothes. Why has she got them? What are they for? Yeah, I know she has is that to a sex undress, thing? I know she has to undress in a scene so they couldn't put her in the usual usual mariachi outfit, but <laughs> wouldn't she be wearing men's clothes because that's the only kind of clothes there are? That's what I was thinking, too. Again, it must be a sex thing, right? Dress like a fucking foreigner. Dress like an off-worlder. Oh, maybe. Because it makes my lobes tingle or whatever. Oh. Stroke my lobes. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give best actor to I ride or die love the way Rom says Moogie. <laughs> Moogie. Moogie. Yeah. I'm into it for sure. Worst actor? Oh, uh, Dax. <laughs> it's always Dax. She had one line. She's the worst. She made me think about it. Yeah, I know. She showed up and set her line and I was like, well, that's nothing. That's terrible. Uh, let's see. Um, Ben's quick hitters. Like you said, directed by Rene Auberjonois. Uh, Cassidy Yates is the doctor on the Orville, I guess. I did not know that. I have not seen the Orville. Uh, Moogie saying, take care of your brother at the end. Had a hint of have fun storming the castle to it. What's that from? Don't know. Okay. Um, my quick hitters. First appearance of Brunt. Um, is this chronologically this actor's? No, it's not because he played the alien who wanted to get Kira's naked body. I was trying to figure out what? if in real time, if this was oh, Jeffrey Combs' okay. first appearance in Star Trek, but then as soon as I said it out loud, I went, no, he was the pervo who wanted naked Kira. 
he hasn't already been in here as a Vorta. Was it a different Vorta? I don't think we've seen. Yeah, we, I don't think we've seen Wei Yun oh, yet. We've only, maybe we've only seen. We the saw that Lady Vorta. Vorta. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, God, he's played so many fucking people in Star Trek. I like uh, Kira commenting on screen about how quickly they go through runabouts. <laughs> yes, it's good to keep in mind, guys. You're not getting it past us. Thanks, Star Trek writers, for lines like "Mother, get undressed this instant." They just can't help themselves. Cassidy Yates has a wild fucking hairdo. A little bit, yeah. I didn't know what they were going for with that one. She's got like a one distinguished gray streak. It's it's just but it's everything all piled up on top of her head. It's a it's the world's weirdest world. updo. It's very strange. Um, is a role like Mookie a boon to a guest actress because of the sheer number of lines she gets or a disgrace because of the content of the episode? It's a good question. I gotta play a naked alien lady. Let's just say that Andrea Martin didn't want to come back to do it a second time. But she did. Didn't she? Mm Mm-mm. I mean, Moogie comes back. Moogie gets recast. Oh my god, it's a a fucking Aunt Viv? Yeah, well, she's under a lot of... She's under a lot of what the greatest generation calls loaf, so we'll see when she comes back how noticeable it is. But I mean, she is like you sure. can tell when you look at her eyes that it's Andrea Martin. So I suspect that it's going to be noticeable. Wow, I didn't even. I mean, I typically don't pay attention to the Ferengi episodes. This will be the first project purpose <laughs> where I have to pay attention to them. <laughs> but uh, huh, I didn't know they Aunt Vived her like that. Yeah. Do you know they Harrieted her too? I mean, they did that to Harriet. God, did they? Marjan found this out. She left uh, halfway through the last season, and I guess they replaced her with another lady. Oh, wild. She's been there for nine years. Don't fucking recast her. Just send her where Judy went. By the end, when he was, in my mind, either always turning into a robot or always turning into (laughs) Stefan or Kel, (laughs) I was kind of, I don't think I was really checked in on that show anymore. Last week, Steve turned me into a race car and drove me around the Indy 500. It's a very good sketch. <laughs> Reginald Bell Johnson's been... I know this is... We're getting off topic, but he's been around and stuff. He was in a Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode not that long ago. Just this last week, he was... Um, oh, what did he come up on? It was a... The Good Place or... Something. Someone was talking about Reginald Bell Johnson again. And I was like, oh, all right, good. He's getting his name out there. Anyway, um, that's all it's I got. not just so somebody can go, I shot a kid. <laughs> That's all I got, man. That's it. Ah, uh, well, we did the damn thing. Yeah, we did enough of it for sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe we're not going to give the people the full three hours this week. But... If anyone's going to complain about how much we gave them, then I'm going to give them four and a half hours next week. Yeah. Don't so complain. weird week score wise. Okay. Uh, we have one clear loser. Yes. And that, unfortunately, is TOS. Uh, Elon of Troy has managed only 17 points this week. It could only have been that episode. Uh, Then we have a three-way tie for second place. Uh, That is very odd. So, uh, Hatchery had the biggest spread. I gave it 18 and you gave it 14. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we were just flipped on Hollow Pursuits and Scorpion 2. Yeah, you gave I Scorpion. I gave Scorpion 17, yeah. and you gave Hollow Pursuits 17. All three of those scored 32 points. 32 points is a point above the mean. 
Mm-hmm. So we knew it was going to be yeah. close. We had the same winner and the same loser, and then the middle three were just close to each other in score. Right. So, so again, um, I, I guess technically you'd say that's three episodes that are better than average, but very slightly better than average. Yeah. Just and the winner this week, amazingly, I know Quark's naked mom. Yep. Family business, 44 points. DS9's 20th win. See what happens when you have a take? They had 14 points on take. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's the big difference, right? Get off to a good start. Uh, I mean, actually, even if you take those. They also have more points in execution. They have more points in world building. And they tied for the most in characterization. Yeah, so it's kind of not. But I'm just saying, you always score better when you have a take. It's just like you get points everywhere. It is very true. At the end of week 68, the scoreboard is the next generation with 24 wins. Been a while since they notched number 24. Yeah. And TOS TOS ain't winning them either. Yeah, DS9 on the climb with 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, TOS tied for first last week, lost on the tiebreaker. Yeah. Uh, but back down and last this week, 17 wins. They now look pretty likely mm-hmm. to be in third place when their run ends. Yeah. Enterprise still at five, Voyager still at two. No change there. Next week. Okay. Of course, next next week is a mailbag week, but the week after, week 69, we're watching <laughs> Whom Gods Destroy. Don't remember it. Uh, thumbnail I remember was uninspiring. Okay, bunch of people standing around in a field, something oh, like that. That's not great. Okay, we're watching the most toys. Oh, that is great. Would Data do a murder though? I mean, the answer is definitively tuned. yes. Stay tuned. He absolutely <laughs> would. Shakar, which is an episode about Duncan terrorist past. Duncan Regeer. Duncan Regeer. <laughs> about Duncan Regeer. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'm uh, here the, for Duncan Regeer. The Gift is our Voyager episode. By the way, and when I was walking through the street the other day, chanting, I'm, I'm here, here for, for Duncan, Duncan Regeer. Regeer, nobody joined me. That sucks. One guy went, do you mean Duncan Rager? And I was like, fuck you, sir. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, so the Gift for Voyager next week. The Gift for Voyager. Uh, which is going to be the gift of that cat suit, probably. Yeah, probably. And, uh, listen, we're finally to it. Azadi Prime. I can't believe it when I fucking see it. See if Enterprise can pull this arc together and get number six. Boy. <laughs> I mean, right now that seems so far away. Doesn't seem likely. No, that doesn't feel right. All right. Well, good. We did it, everyone. Congratulations. And you're welcome. Um... So yeah, next week is a mailbag. Feel free to send us some for a change. Uh, it's at uh, BrotherDate on Twitter. You can send uh, emails and audio emails, brothers at brotherdate.com. You can find us on all the places, including the website, brotherdate.com. And that's that's it. That's the whole fucking thing. Do you, did you have anything else to say? As you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. So shall you do. As you believe, believe, so so shall you do. 100% has a six-pack, but... Sorry, an eight-pack. Why did he need an eight-pack? Hey, why did the boar give give Locutus an eight-pack? Did he have those, uh... 
What the fuck's happening? Please subscribe.